Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. People often wonder how they're going to survive winter. Survive? Winter is meant to be savored. If you've been merely surviving, come let us show you how it's done. The right way to winter is closer than you think in the Petoskey area of Michigan. Fantasy. Today's episode is brought to you by Flex Fantasy, and they want me to relay a message to you that they have cracked open the game of fantasy football to all. When you sign up for a free account and download the Flex Fantasy app, you can import all your teams from all your leagues across multiple platforms that you play on. Spice up your fantasy playing experience by challenging league mates or strangers off the street to a fantasy matchup no matter how or where they play. And put your money where your mouth is by placing a wager on your head-to-head matchup. It doesn't matter if you are on Yahoo and your opponent is on Sleeper. You can import your teams to Flex Fantasy to face off. You can even make wagers on who you think will win between other challenges besides your own. So sign up for a free account and download the app to try it out at flex.fan. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Well, hello and look out for the look ahead Wednesday here on the MD's Fantasy Football Show. It's not just any preview today. It is the full Week 12 preview for the Thanksgiving special. Going to say we're going to lump these next two episodes, Wednesday and Thursday, into one. We will be back on Friday night, however, at 10 p.m. Eastern for the Cashing Friday show. Don't you worry about that. But it's just going to be me and Brian Scott for the first segment with the injury inquiries. There's a lot to get into before we get into that, though. Brian, how are you and how are you spending your holiday? I am good. We uh, got my World Cup USA soccer uh, nice. on, so supporting the World Cup here. Uh, yeah, we're good. We're going to be spending it at home this year. We got some family coming into town, so it should be fun. Kids are excited. It's always a good time to have all the family over. We go to our family. Uh, we're still, thankfully, me and my wife are still on the younger side of the family, so we're not quite at the hosting part yet, yeah. which is uh, that's that's good for us. So we're, we're looking forward to that as well. And I hope everybody out there has plans with either family or friends and as they will really enjoy the Thanksgiving holiday. And uh, you know what? One thing I have to say, my day job, I don't like to mention who it is that I work for, but it is a big time retailer. And uh, it's nice that they actually close their stores for Thanksgiving day. Big shout out to them and people who are doing that. Cause it was getting a little much there. We had a couple of years where like everybody was open on Thanksgiving night. And I just, it just it didn't feel, it felt bad. It felt raunchy. Yeah, uh, guilty as charged. I'll probably hit in the stores up tomorrow. I got some shopping I got to do. Uh, <laughs> last minute run to the grocery store for sure. Um, but yeah, that's, that's I, different. I, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's different. All right. So, like I said, we got a full week twelve preview. So we go. We have to go ahead and get into it because there's a ton of injuries, as you could imagine, to go along with all the analysis that we have to get to uh, in today's show. So let's hit it. Injury inquiries. Oh. oh, oh. All right, this is going to be a little out of order, a little out of whack, but, you know, bear with us. 
First and foremost, uh, probably not first and foremost, but he's on the list. Gus Edwards, hamstring injury, looking better. Came back to practice today. What do you think? Yeah, um, apparently he he was getting close last week, um, but then told the head coach uh, Harbaugh that he wasn't ready to go, and so they kind of pulled the the the, the limb uh, the the restraints back a little bit and said, okay, well, we'll we'll prep you for next week. And so the, the thought process is here that with an extra re- week of rest, he should be good to go this weekend. And, since week eight since he suited up but i think they're just being a little extra cautious given that he has a, a, a coming off an acl reconstructed knee so i think we should see him which is good i mean we saw chris Godwin come back a little bit too early and he got re-injured so with him giving them the extra time i expect gus edwards to be good to go and for him to be the starting running back now yes the starting running back for the baltimore ravens it doesn't really mean necessarily a lot Kenyon and drake will still get worked in but what it does mean in edwards's case is that he should have the touchdown upside so edwards is a high-end rb3 for us coming into this week he can be a flex play depending upon what your options are that's what we're looking for in this matchup touchdown dependent mind you but a guy i think we're comfortable with playing uh what about mike williams he did not practice today no he did not now it's <laughs> so the team is saying that he aggravated his ankle, and he didn't re-injure it yet. Yet he didn't suit up today, um, so I'm a little skeptical about that. They're saying it's not very serious, um, but you know, until I see him back out there, uh, even if it's just in a limited fashion, um, I'm questioning the severity of this uh, aggravation. <laughs> well, I mean, look, Brayden Staley just lies out of his mouth 24 seven when it comes <laughs> to these. Everyone's day to day. No matter, the, yeah. it could be a broken fibula. Day to day, day to day. We never know. Yeah, I, I'm not expecting Mike Williams to come back this week. Now, past this week, we'll have to see, and that's what you'll be here for on the show's fall for next week. But I would be shocked to see him out there this week. The good news, and I won't have you re- uh, finally don't have to talk about this, Keenan <laughs> Allen did practice in full today after not having a setback on Sunday. So guess what? Keenan Allen should be good to go. Uh, as far as you know, what Mike Williams means to the rest of this team, Josh Palmer. We saw him have his biggest game of the year. Now, some of it was on blown coverage, sure. But nonetheless, Josh Palmer does work his way into that low-end wide receiver three, high-end wide receiver four territory. He does become a flex play and the option for you there with the Chargers, with Mike Williams out of the way playing that role. He'll still get significant playing time. Sticking with the Chargers, however, Gerald Everett, who's also trying to work his way back from a hamstring injury, he did practice in a limited fashion, they said. Yeah, um, and I've said this before on the show, um, when it comes to hamstrings, until I see them get at least one full day of reps under their belt, um, I'm a little skeptical and hesitant to give them the full green light um, for your fantasy roster because, as we've seen throughout this year especially, guys with hamstring injuries uh, tend to have setbacks if they come back too soon. He's only missed one week, I believe, um, with this injury, so maybe it was pretty mild, but even so... You got to be really careful with these, and you got to make sure that you're you're, if not 100 percent, darn near close because um, it doesn't take much to reaggravate these and set you back. Yeah, this has been the year for uh, for setback injuries when it comes to the hamstring injury, just more so in my opinion than most years for whatever reason that may be. If Everett can play, though. It is a juicy matchup this week for the Los Angeles Chargers, especially when you're talking about the tight end position. So Gerald Everett, assuming he can play this week, will be in my top 10 for tight ends. What do the Arizona Cardinals do? They give up touchdowns to the tight ends. This is what they do. It doesn't matter who it is. doesn't matter what condition they're in. They give up touchdowns to the tight ends. George Kittle, who've been on about like a five-week slump, 
Oh, all of a sudden he got two touchdowns because he's playing against the Arizona Cardinals. So just keep that in mind when it comes to Joe Everett. Could be a viable play. So we'll have to watch that very closely. And that, that's actually a good plug for me right now. At Billy BMDFF show on social media, we'll still be active throughout the weekend despite of the holiday and make sure you guys are getting the up to date news when it comes to these players there. Uh, what about Kyler Murray? He had a full participation in practice today. Yeah. Um, and I'll be updating stuff throughout the week too. So, you know, even though we're not going to be on the show, at host Brian time, Scott. Uh, you'll, you'll see me on my Twitter at host Brian Scott, drop some, uh, last minute, uh, and injury updates as well. But yeah, Kyler Murray practiced in full today. Um, he's expected to start Sunday. Um, you know, I, I think they did the right thing by giving him at least a, a week or two of rest. Um, I think it was just a week, but, um, yeah, uh, I'm, um, they were saying originally they weren't going to let him back out there until he was a hundred percent. Um, sounds like, He's 100%. Yeah, it doesn't sound like they're going to wait till after the bye. Uh, Marquise Brown, and the Cardinals actually have a slew of injuries, so we'll be here for a second. The Marquise Brown injury, it sounds like he could be back this week, but Cliff Kingsbury came out today and already said that if he is back, it'll still be on a pitch count. So my question is why bother with the bye week next week? Yeah, and you know you can watch some previous episodes. I was always under the impression, based on the reports and based on what we're dealing with with this foot injury, that it's they're gonna they're better off just waiting till after the bye. Um, he's already um, he technically speaking has not been activated off of IR, um, even though he's into that twenty one day window. So until he's actually activated, um, he's not going to be in there. So I think the team played. Do they play in Mexico or something this weekend? They did this past weekend. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. So, night, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I was always under the impression that once he came off of the IR, that it was going to be at least probably two closer to that end of that three-week range. So we're probably looking at next week. I would tend to agree. Why well, bring a guy back if he's going to be on a pitch count anyway? Uh, Rondale Moore, also groin injury, sounding like he's going to probably miss this week. Yeah, I don't expect him out there. He w- went down uh, after the second play of the game, um, didn't return. Um, and they have sounds like head coach Cl- Kingsbury has already basically ruled him out for this weekend. So Yeah, that's what it sounded like. So all this pretty much equals to uh, two things. DeAndre Hopkins uh, is going to be out there by himself on an island. Because even Greg Dorch, we're not going to talk about him too much because they're saying it's a pain tolerance issue when it comes to the thumb issue. But Greg Dorch... I mean, he might be a thing if he's actually out there and active. Because, again, I'm going to harp on it. The slot receiver, the middle of the field, whether it's Kyler Murray, Colt McCoy, it does not matter. This offense is centered around that middle of the field. So Greg Dorch is going to be out there. We got no Rondale Moore. We got Marquise Brown on a snap count. Full point PPR leagues only, mind you. A wide receiver for flex play coming into this week. Of course, Hop is going to get his target share. The guy I'm a little bit interested in, let's say if Dorch is limited. Let's say if Marquise Brown is out possibly Trey McBride because he does have the skill set. We haven't seen it as of yet to this point, and it would be a very risky stream, but somebody can maybe think about depending upon what your tight end situation is this week. But ultimately I love Deandre Hopkins and pretty much nobody else when it comes to the pass catchers of the Arizona Cardinals. All right, let's try to figure out this quarterback situation for the Rams. So Matthew Stafford already ruled out. And, and King uh, uh, McVay didn't even rule him out because of concussion. He ruled him out because of a neck issue. Yeah, uh, another kind of fishy situation with this concussion thing. So, I mean, it was, it was like two weeks ago, three weeks ago. He yeah. had this concussion that popped up on a Tuesday, went into concussion protocol, cleared concussion protocol, played, and then sustained the new concussion, or so we thought. and then. 
Today we find out that he's dealing with some type of neck issue because he reportedly was having numbness in his legs, yet he's still also in concussion protocol. So not really understanding what that is all about. Now, you can have a neck injury and have a concussion. I mean, that's probably what's going on. The neck injury may be separate from the actual concussion, but sometimes you can have a whiplash type effect, which causes the concussion and can injure the neck. But um, aside from all that, the most concerning thing is that he's having numbness in his legs and he's having a neck issue. Um, Very, very concerning if you're an NFL player. And I'm sure they're going to get that looked at by some of the top professionals out there in the West Coast um, if they haven't already. Um, But that doesn't sound good for this weekend, at least, and potentially for a few weeks going forward. Yeah, Brian, I'll translate for you. McVay is finding any excuse he possibly can to shut down Matthew Stafford for the rest of the year in a, in a lost season. They're already like, look, we're not bringing back Cooper Cup. There's no point. Let's just get Matthew Stafford out of here. Let's play for next year. That That's what's happening in translation. What we have going on right now, though, is do you have any update on the Wolford injury? I do not. Yeah, um, I, I, we didn't get much today either. So yeah. what we're looking at, he didn't practice. Bryce Perkins took all the first team reps. So we're looking at their third string, Bryce Perkins, who only knows how to run, can't pass for, for anything to save his life. He's going to look like he's going to be the starting quarterback for this week. I'm staying away from all Rams players this week in fantasy football purposes. If John Wolford, which we do think will return at some point this season, potentially next week, if he can get back, we'll start to have more conversations about Van Jefferson, maybe maybe a little bit of Allen Robinson, but especially Van Jefferson. But unless Wolford can get back, I'm not even touching anybody with a 10-foot pole here. So you could just move on from the Rams. Hey, it's our favorite hamstring guy all the time, Kadarius Tony. I don't think he knows how to get through a game without picking up a hamstring injury. And now you know why the Giants weren't uh, weren't willing to hold <laughs> on probably to part him of much the longer. Reason, I don't <laughs> think that was the whole reason. That was part of the reason. <laughs> well, so the funny thing is, while he was on the Giants, he injured both hamstrings. And I don't even know which one he injured Allegedly. this time. Does it matter? I, I guess no, not. No, it doesn't. No. So, I mean... Uh, God only knows. He missed four weeks. He was out from week three to seven with a, a hamstring injury with the Giants. Came back, played a, played great, looked looked like the Kadarius Tony they thought he would be, and then, boom, he, another hamstring injury. So uh, I, I don't know what to expect going forward with this guy, um, how long he's going to be out or, or what. I mean, at this point, with given the fact that he's missed so much time from it, just shut him down. Or or do something else. I, I don't know. I mean, if you're the Chiefs, you're kind of like, what the hell? I think we got a, a lemon here. But I, I don't even know what you do or where you what to predict with him going forward. It's just been such a helter-skelter season with numerous injuries to start a career. It's, it's not a good – it's an ominous sign heading into your NFL career. You can't get through a, your first season uh, without major issues. Yeah, I don't think he's ever really going to be able to get through this. I mean, for the Chiefs, they're just thinking about the playoffs when it comes to Kadarius Tony, anyway. But, uh, yeah, fantasy football purposes, look, even if he somehow magically gets healthy next couple of weeks, and even if he's in position to have a big game, just drop him on your waiver wire, let someone else deal with the headache, because you're just going to drive yourself nuts, because all you're going to look at is like, I know what he could be. I know his athletic ability. He's on the Chiefs. I don't get that. He's never going to play for you. And the second he does, you're going to have to drop him. So just just move off Kadarius Tony. Let someone else make that mistake. Let someone else deal with that headache. And then we can talk more about Juju, who practiced in full today, trying to get back from his concussion injury. Yeah, so he practiced in full, no limitations. 
So as uh, barring any setbacks, as long as he gets cleared still from the concussion protocol, which should happen at some point this week, if he doesn't have any setbacks or symptoms, then he should be ready to go. Yeah, and this is where it gets tough with the pass catchers with the Chiefs. If Juju's back, he's the number one guy, and he's the only guy I feel safe about playing. You're likely going to see Justin Watson, from a snap count perspective, be out there on the opposite side of Marquez Valdez scaling, because that's just how they've they've worked things. They like Watson blocking the perimeter. They might see the Chiefs actually lean a little bit more on the run as a result of that. The only pass catcher I want outside of Travis Kelsey would be Juju in that scenario. It's just tough, because you know Sky Moore is more suited to play the Miko Harmon role, is a better pass catcher than Justin Watson, but it took till almost nobody was left on a depth chart for him to actually get out in the field, and he did well when he got out there, but it just shows you what the inconsistency is going to be as far as this usage is concerned. The only way I'm thinking about Sky Moore is if Juju is going to be out with him practicing in full on a Wednesday. I don't expect that to be the, the case. Uh, there's still more injuries with the Kansas City Chiefs. You want to talk a little bit about the Clyde Edwards-Hilaire high ankle sprain? Yeah, so head coach Andy Reid was quoted as saying it doesn't look good. And that can go one of two ways when a head coach says that. It could be it's probably not that freaking bad, or it could be it's really freaking bad. So um, high ankle sprains, as we know, are not good. Um, it, I think he's going to miss at least a few weeks. Now, they haven't said they're going to put him on IR. They did but, put him on IR today, actually. They did They did later on today. Well, so that makes sense because there's almost no way with even a moderate ankle, high ankle sprain, you're going to see anybody back within that four-week time frame. I, I typically look at six-week mark as being the uh, reasonable amount of time to get somebody back from a high ankle sprain. And, you know, looking back at some uh, previous uh, injuries and athletes who've had this uh, over the years, it, that tends to be the, the more common timeline. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Here at the Container Store, we believe you shouldn't be limited to just one happy place. Your home should be full of them. That's why we're giving you 30% off every custom alpha space. From closets and pantries to playrooms, offices, and garages, you can transform any area with alpha and save 30%. Here's another happy thought. Our design specialists will design your space for free. Get ready to discover your new happy place at the Container Store. Visit us in-store or online to get started with a free design. Yeah, and it's it just, again, the Chiefs are playing a long game, so there's no reason to be short. I'm just wondering what they're going to do, because they tried to put in a claim for Eno you know, Benjamin. They lost out on that to the Houston Texans. I thought that was interesting. Uh, they didn't put a claim in for Darrell Henderson. They didn't put a claim in for Melvin Gordon, but Andy Reid did talk about maybe Ronald Jones will be at least active this week. I don't know how involved in the game plan he would be. He kind of plays the same role as Pacheco to begin with. But at least he'll be active, and they have that to fall back on for three running backs for depth if need be. Look, the fact is this. They had already been moving off of Clyde Edwards-Alaire over the past few weeks anyway. Even before his usage completely dropped off, he had been the third string the two weeks previous to that in Snapshare. It looks to me like they're ready to move forward with a two-man committee, and they know what? They might be better served for it with Pacheco and Jarek McKinnon. McKinnon obviously going to be the guy from PPR standpoint you want to own. He'll be the pass-catching guy. Pacheco, I know the touchdowns haven't come to this point, but they will eventually. And that's the role he's going to play. He should be looking at maybe more consistent 
13 to 15 carries per game, which should make him at the very least a high-end RB3 in my book. By the way, they're playing that Rams team who's on their third-string quarterback. Pretty good chance Pacheco is going to get a chance to close this game out in the second half, so I'm going to play him for that reason there. Uh, what about Jamison Williams? His window has been activated. I don't expect to see him tomorrow on Turkey Day, but uh exciting player who might be finally making his debut soon. Uh, so it's nice to actually report some good news when I'm doing the injury segments for yes, change. It is. And here's some good news. Uh, Jamison Williams, he's a, approximately 10 to 11 months out from his surgically reconstructed ACL, you know, give or take a few weeks there. And, um, it, that's a good time. Uh, he was a, reportedly had an isolated ACL injury, which is ideal. If that's the injury you're going to have to your ACL, you want it to be isolated. Um, he actually, I think, did return to the practice field and has been officially taken off the non-football injury list. So uh, we're going to see him start ramping up his activity and getting accustomed to being on the field. Um, hopefully we'll see him back in a couple of weeks. It, it, sounds, it sounds good to me. I, I don't know what his role is going to be, guys. I, I don't. Dynasty purposes, it makes a lot, this is a lot more for you guys than it is redraft leagues. I will say this. I have a couple of redraft leagues where I had open IR spots and I did stash him because he's that explosive of a player when he's out there on the field. And the Lions are dying for playmakers because even St. Brown is having a hard time because defenses are able to key on him to the point that they are. He's a curious spot. Will it be anything more than a boomer bust? Maybe he's more suited for a DFS play. Probably. But I am intrigued, and I can't wait to be able to see it until it's out there on the field. All right, so this one, he's done for the year. Wandale Robinson, ACL tear. Yeah, terrible spot for the Giants. You know, the, you get rid of a Kadarius Tony because you have a Wandale-type Robinson player behind him who is essentially a similar style and type player, playmaker, explosive speed. Um, and then he goes down with an ACL injury, which... I saw it happen during the game as I was watching. It looked like it happened when he kind of landed awkwardly on the knee, on the leg um, on a sideline play toward the, I think it was like somewhere in the third or fourth quarter. Um, just a, a terrible, terrible way to, to go through your rookie season. Um, the big problem here is the timing. Um, you know, even if he had surgery tomorrow, you're looking at missing significant amount of the season next year. And so that's really the unfortunate part of this. Um, he misses the remaining part of his rookie season, and now he's going to miss a substantial part of his sophomore year. Yeah, absolutely. After he was just having his best game of the year yep. this past week, too, when he go, goes for 100 yards at 13 targets and nine receptions, it seems as though in his place, Darius Slayton will be the guy who has some value, who'd already had some nice games so far this season. Now, he's not the same type of wide receiver. And generally speaking, I don't trust receivers that aren't on the slot and they're playing with Daniel Jones, but. Slade's made some big plays anyway. I've always been a big fan of his, even coming out of college. I always thought he was a little bit underrated. Couldn't understand why the Giants weren't giving him playing time early in the season, but they are now. By default, they are now. He's a nice flex play, okay? There's still a very low floor where you're talking about the Giants passing game in general for anybody involved. But right now, he seems to be the one wide receiver with value who can hit the big play. He's a decent flex play to be able to have if need be this week. All right, Dan. I don't usually I don't usually throw commentary about you know analysis and stuff. But what I will say with Slayton because I'm a Giants fan, I follow them closely. It's the one team I follow. I, I don't know what's going on. I think he needs some contact lenses or something. He's had a horrible case of the drops this year, more so than ever before. And I think that's been the big issue, which is why he was so down on the depth chart to start the year. 
he must have been doing that during the preseason and practices. And Dable's like, what the hell? Because he didn't have this issue the first year or two in the league. But this year, man, it's been terrible. And if you watch the games, Daniel Jones has put the ball right in his chest on several plays the last few weeks. And he's dropped a few of them. Not that they were bidding big plays or anything, but, you know, you, you want consistency. You want to be able to depend on a guy to make the catches. So hopefully going forward with the extra pressure now being placed on him as being the guy, uh, hopefully he he kind of gets over this drop issue he's had this year. Yeah, no doubt about it. There's definitely been a little bit more of an issue than it had been in, in years past. Uh, but I will say this, even if he doesn't get over the drop issue, they got nobody else to go to. So the vibe's yeah. going to be there probably regardless at this point. It was, I mean, you're a Giants fan. How great was it when the entire stadium gave a standing ovation for Kenny Galladay actually catching a football? I mean, that, that's where they're at right now. Yeah. Well, you got to love the New York fans. I mean, they know when to give it to you and how. I mean, like uh, the sarcasm is you can you can cut it with a knife. Um, but yeah, you know, like Slayton, when he does make plays, he tends to make big plays, which is what I like yes. about him. Um, he can go definitely go down the field. And those seem to be the balls he actually catches the best. Um, you know, it'd be nice if Galladay can, can, can kind of contribute a little bit more. You know, maybe now he will. I don't. I don't know. It hasn't shown that way. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right now, Darius Slayton coming in at my wide receiver thirty-five on the week. By the way, my rankings are up to date. Go to bellyfantasysports.com to go check them out before you have your because we got three games tomorrow. So you have your turkey day tomorrow. Make sure you make it all the right start sit decisions and hit us up on social media for that. Uh, Justin Jefferson. So I think it, he's not actually on the injury report today. Uh, and they do they do play uh, Sunday they do play Thursday night excuse me so he's he's good to go and everything like that but we didn't get a chance to talk to you because his injury came in late last week so what is a mild turf toe okay so I'm gonna say timeout here uh, off the injury report really <laughs> I don't know man uh, I don't know why uh, he like didn't even play every snap this past weekend I think he only played in like eighty percent of their snaps and he had one of his worst games of the year if I'm not mistaken as far as catches and yardage goes. So you got to wonder if this thing is actually bothering him more than they're letting on. Um, Now, he might not have been limited in practice, but my guess is that he's either got his toe taped up or he's probably playing with something in his shoe to kind of help provide a little bit of extra rigidity so he doesn't aggravate it. But even a mild turf toe, man, those can be real, real nuisance to play through and have the potential to get worse as the season goes on and you continue to play through it. So I am a little concerned you don't typically get over these that quickly. Um, it is something to watch for. I mean, it, this could be affecting his agility, his ability to turn, cut really sharp and plant during his routes, which may have been a part of the reason why his targets and receptions were down this past weekend. I don't know. But something to keep an eye on still, even if he is off the injury report, if that's a true, true injury. Well, here's what I'll say. For, for Brian and for anybody else out there who might have missed the game, uh, Minnesota got completely dominated. So it's hard to take anything offensively what they got out of it. And while, yes, he played 85% of the snaps, he still played the most snaps amongst the wide receivers. Uh, it was just a weird game for the Minnesota Vikings when they lost that game 40-3. to So not a ton production-wise we could take out of that. If you're playing, Justin Jefferson is active. He's in your starting lineups. He's an obvious play. But with him being off the injury report, maybe it gives you some solace in that you know, maybe he's a little bit better. I, I don't know. But that's why I had to ask you about mild turf toe and, and, and just, you know, how that works. But yeah, it, I mean, as confused as I am, so it's my okay. experience, there's not, there's not, there's no such, when you're a football wide receiver in the NFL, there's no such thing as a mild turf toe. That, that's it, that's kind of like an oxymoron, too. you know, it's, it just those don't <laughs> exist. <laughs> 
Uh, it's not a Michael Thomas turf toe. Let's put it that way. <laughs> no, well, um, hopefully not. Hopefully he doesn't get to that point either. Uh, we'll get a quick question in here real quick. Uh, yeah. Richard Hernandez need two po- uh, two players in a full point PPR league. Raheem Mostert, Cordell Patterson, or Latavius Murray. Uh, I do think Mostert's going to be fine. All okay, by the way, because uh, he was listed with a knee injury today. But they've also been like not having him practice on Wednesdays due to quote unquote knee injuries anyway. Load so, management. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we're not really too worried about that. I would actually go Raheem Mostert and Latavius Murray. Latavius Murray for sure because he's getting the full workload this week because they just cut. You know, Melvin Gordon, after one too many fumbles, we don't even know for sure that Mike Boone will be back this week. In fact, I just don't think he's been activated off of IR, so he probably won't be. Uh, with Cordell Patterson, he's tantalizing because he usually is, if he's of all the running backs, he's the one who's got the touchdowns. And if that kickoff return showed you anything, he's healthy. He's fine from that standpoint. But the production, the volume just has not been there consistently for him. So I would probably go Raheem Mostert was playing against an all-time bad run defense in Houston Texans and the overall volume of Latavius Murray in a nice matchup against the Carolina Panthers. Get those questions moving in, guys, because we got a long show and there's a lot to talk about. All right, where were we? Oh, yes, the Jefferson uh, turf toe. Let's move on from that. Let's talk about Leonard Fournette and his hit pointer. Todd Bowles saying today that his his hip's sore. Yeah. I mean, that's essentially what a hip pointer is. It's, it's a contusion usually, uh, to the, the front part of the hip, kind of right where on that bone where your, where your belt sits. Um, and you know, a lot of guys can play through this. A lot of guys will play through this. You can even put protective padding there to kind of ensure that you don't get hit repetitively there. Um, you know, okay. He took a week off, I think. Right. But I mean, I expect him to be back. Most, I think most players would expect him to be back. I think he, probably expects to be back even with some soreness in the hip. I mean, this is not usually something that renders you incapable of performing your task on the, on the, on the field. So it, they may have just been giving him a week off to rest for whatever reason. They felt confident with who they were playing or their situation with their backups and whatnot. But I do expect him in there. Well, he's coming off the bye week. So that, the whole, oh, well, whole, oh, the, oh, well, I'm sorry. Well, even better. I mean, yeah. and then all the more reason for him to be in there this weekend. I found his comments interesting because Todd Bowles talked about if he can't get up to full speed, then you know we'll have him rest this week. That's coach speak for it. They want Rashad White to not only get the start, but get a good crack at this thing. I tend to think, and maybe from a medical perspective, Fournette would be fine to play, but I think the Bucks might actually lean into the idea of like, let's just give Rashad White a shot to see what happens if he gets all the work for our week and just, just kind of see what happens. So I wouldn't be surprised if he winds up missing for that reason because that felt like a built-in excuse if he's not up to full speed. Uh, it could certainly happen. I mean, I, I wouldn't be the first time that they've used a little a minor injury like this to kind of justify maybe giving another guy a shot or sitting with somebody else. Yeah, I, I, I'm just putting that out there for you guys. It might not be necessarily a health thing this week. Uh, Cletus, who should I start for my flex and wide receiver two? DJ Moore, Brandon Ayuk, Paris Campbell, Garrett Wilson, Devin Singletary, or James Robinson? I'm definitely starting Singletary. One, he's on a two-week touchdown streak playing the Detroit Lions tomorrow. Josh Allen on a bit of a cold streak since the elbow injury has flared up. It is Detroit, but... They've kind of leaned a little bit more on Devin Singletary, especially in the red zone, not running Josh Allen that part of the field as much. So Singletary would definitely be one. Your other question is very interesting. I'm intrigued by Garrett Wilson, now that Mike White is going to be the starting quarterback. We're going to talk more about that later. But it's still up in the air as far as what the distribution is going to be with a Corey Davis back this week. We'll talk about that soon. And, of course, Elijah Moore getting more worked into the slot position. 
I would have to say of this group, I'm leaning towards Brian Ayuk, who's been on a hot streak. Now, I know last week he only had the two catches for 20 yards, but both went for touchdowns. And even though, and but before that, he was the lead receiver. He was getting six to seven targets, getting 80 yards per game, scored in every game except for one. I think right now you kind of have to ride the hot hand that is Brian Ayuk. I'm not playing DJ Moore against the Denver Broncos. I don't care if they switch to Sam Darnold, who might throw him the ball 24-7. And Paris Campbell, a little banged up, although it doesn't seem to be anything serious. But I don't really want to play him against the Steelers when they got Minka Fitzpatrick back playing over the slot. It's just not a chance I want to take. So it would probably be Ayuk and Devin Singletary there for me, Cletus. Uh, before we get any more questions, let's move to our next injury. Jamar Chase did practice in a limited capacity today. Joe Burrow seemed to think he was confident he was going to play. Maybe the coaching staff less so, but the coaching staff might be being more coy than Joe Burrow. What do you think, Brian? Um, no, I, I tend to side with Joe Burrow on this. I, you know, It sounds like even before he stepped on the practice field, he had already been doing some running and was feeling good and was symptom-free. Um we could see him getting back soon here. Um, you know, the estimated time out was anywhere between four to six weeks. He's already kind of at that point. Um, I, I see no reason if he's feeling well and able to get through these limited sessions that he can make a return with this. Um, this was one of those injuries that we weren't really quite sure exactly what was going on. I had a few ideas of what it could be, um, depending on, you know, because you saw some specialists apparently. So, it tells me it's probably one of a couple of different things in the hip. And um, it's it's one of those injuries that you can play through. Um, and sometimes it can become symptomatic and flare up on you. And once that flare up calms down, you can get back to where you were. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me. I think originally I had him out for at least six. But uh, it's a good sign if he's running, cutting, doing even if it's non-contact, if he's doing drills and pain-free, it's a good sign. Yeah, look, first of all, Jamar Chase is active. You're playing him. Uh, and even if he is active, I'm still playing T. Higgins with a lot of confidence. The only guy who falls off my board, well, two guys really, Tyler Boyd and Hayden Hurst. They both fall off my board if Jamar Chase is out there. Would I maybe expect Jamar Chase to be back to 100% Jamar Chase right away this week with his kind of production? Maybe, maybe not. The good news is it's a nice matchup against Tennessee who lost Caleb Farley. So while they have been playing better in defense as of late, they're not going to be as good as they were. They might actually be closer to what that we saw in the beginning of the season, which is why on paper right now, primo matchup so kind of keep that in mind you're definitely going to play him you played t higgins with some confidence if he is in fact out there we'll wait for more updates uh on that we do have another question coming in matthew cypher sup guys who could i trade up for with t higgins montgomery pacheco darius slayton i just acquired jamar chase so you were very interested in that piece of news of course uh trade up for i'm not sure who you're trading with in this scenario Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Here at the Container Store, we believe you shouldn't be limited to just one happy place. Your home should be full of them. That's why we're giving you 30% off every custom alpha space. From closets and pantries to playrooms, offices, and garages, you can transform any area with alpha and save 30%. Here's another happy thought. Our design specialists will design your space for free. 
Get ready to discover your new happy place at the Container Store. Visit us in-store or online to get started with a free design. So I guess you're asking who else you could trade from. I mean, I would just keep your guys. That, that's your roster. And especially if you're, if you're hinting at the Jamar Chase and T. Higgins thing, uh, those are two alpha dog wide receivers with a pass-first offense right now, especially if Joe Mixon's going to miss, which we'll talk about him in just a moment. Uh, you're good to go. So I would just keep your team the way it is. That, in fact, is your roster, the way that lined up. It was kind of weird the way that was worded. But speaking of Joe Mixon, didn't practice today, concussion pro- protocol, what do you think his chances are? So a, a lot of people have been asking me about this because apparently he was. it was reported that he had a mild concussion. Um, I don't know what that means. <laughs> mild concussion. I don't think there's any such thing as a mild concussion, so I don't know. I mean, concussion is concussion. What you're what you're looking at as far as what's mild and what's severe, I guess, would be the symptoms and the clinical presentation or the what happened at the time of the injury. As far as was he unconscious? Uh, did he, you know, have balance issues? Things like that. But concussions are a concussion, no matter what. So it doesn't necessarily change anything as far as his recovery. And again, a lot of it is very subjective. Once you're in the protocol, you got to meet certain criteria to move on to the next phase. And there's a five phase protocol. So until you get through the protocol, uh, you don't, you shouldn't expect him out there. And if he's not practicing, which he didn't today, then he hasn't even entered like the first or second phase of the protocol. So, uh, he's got a ways to go still. Um, part of the protocol is getting on the field and doing some physical activity. If you can't even do that, you're not, you're not anywhere close to advancing to the end of the protocol. So. Yeah, again, we'll keep reiterating. It's hard for players to come back in one week from concussions this year, just plain and simple. So if he's out, Samaj Perrine proved that he's the one-for-one handcuff. Make sure you have him and play him. He will be an RB, too. Uh, Richard Hernandez back on the questions with potentially returning. Speaking of Jamar Chase, should I start Tyler Boyd or Jacoby Myers? If, if Chase is back, you're starting Myers this week against Minnesota. And because Myers, unfortunately for you to make this decision in a hurry, plays on Thursday night, I would probably just go Jacoby Myers, especially when we're talking about a full-point PPR league. It's a nice matchup, and we know Mac Jones, he's the one pass catcher besides Rosemondre Stevenson that he will go to. Uh, Kyle Pitts, sounds like he's done for the year with an MCL. Okay, so there's a lot of information packed into this injury. Um, What's been reported is that he had an isolated MCL injury. Now, isolated MCL injuries without surgery, you can be back sometimes in four, sometimes six weeks. They're saying right out of the bat, he's going to require surgery. Now, the problem with that is, um, even with an isolated MCL injury, there's still a 5% chance that he could have injured the meniscus in his knee. And this, they may not know until they get in there. And they're likely going to do a knee scope um, because a lot of times it's just a quick, simple thing to add to the procedure to double check and make sure you didn't miss anything on the MRI. The MCL itself is an extra articular cap, uh, structure, so it's not in the knee joint. It's outside the knee joint, but it provides stability to the knee, and that's why they need to repair it. Depending on where the tear is, what type of tear, also can determine how they fix it. Are they going to just repair it, or are they going to reconstruct it? And those, again, are two different timelines to return. With the surgery, it's going to be at least probably six to eight weeks is my guess. And that's best case scenario. So, you know, I'm probably leaning toward he's going to be out for the season. Um, He's already on IR, so we know he's out for four. Do I think he's going to be back shortly after that? No. So, I mean, there's a, there's a good likelihood here that he's going to be done for the year. 
But, you know, a lot of it is going to hinge on what they have to do, what they see when they get in there. Hopefully this is nothing more than what they're reporting. And it's, and it's a quick repair and he's back to where he was, you know, next year or this year. Um, but there's a lot of things still at play here that we don't know. So it's going to really hinge on what happens during the surgery. Yeah, something to watch, especially from a dynasty perspective. Again, we don't expect to see him back this season. And, and almost in a weird way. It's probably a shame to say this, but in a weird way, I think it's almost a relief for redraft owners to be like, all right, fine. I'm done with Kyle Pitts for the year because it's been such a headache playing him anyway. So I'll have to wait to see what he's back next year. He's a great talent. If they get an upgrade at quarterback, he will be back inside my top five again heading into next season. There's no doubt about that. So hopefully they'll be able to recover well from this injury. Let's get to another question real quick. Uh, Hamza, um, forgive me if I'm not pronouncing that correctly. Out of these four, which two should I start? Debo, Deontay, Johnson, Garrett Wilson, Brian Ayuk. I'd actually have to say you're starting both 49er wide receivers. The only good news I can give you about that is while the, uh, the the volume is unpredictable as far as who will be involved any given week, if you play both of them, you're likely one of them is going to hit. So you play Debo and Ayuk. I have them both ranked well ahead of Deontay Johnson and Garrett Wilson this week. So that is the route in which I would take there. What about Jerry Judy and his ankle? Seemed like Nathaniel Hackett thought he'd have a chance to come back, but he still didn't practice today. No, he hasn't practiced, I think, since the injuries. So sounds like it's pretty significant. Um, it sounds like it's a low ankle sprain. But again, even those can take several weeks to kind of fully recover from. He's probably dealing with some swelling still, maybe some stiffness and weakness in that ankle. It's going to take a couple of weeks to him to kind of get through that. Uh, the first two weeks are really the most telling as far as you know what to expect going forward. So if he's not practicing yet, we're heading into week two here. Um, not not looking good. Not looking good at all. And if he doesn't go, Cortland Sutton, I'm firing him up. I know it wasn't big last week, but the target shares in his favor against Carolina. I know Denver and Russell Wilson, they're agonizing offensively right now, but I think you have to continue to play Sutton if Jerry Judy continues to miss. Uh, Cletus back on the questions. Should I start Njoku or Higby this week? Uh, actually, Njoku is not on my list. He didn't practice today, though, uh, though he did play last week and wasn't suspected for uh, a setback. Do you have anything on him? <clears throat> we had talked about him a few weeks ago. I'm trying to look through my notes. He had a high he ankle sprain. He did play this did play this past week on, on a limited snap count. Yeah. Um, here's he, what I would say. Yeah. Bryce Perkins did look for Tyler Higby while he was out there. So I'm okay with you going with Higby because he might be the number one target on the field. While the Joker is still not quite at 100%, I do believe I have Higby about one or two spots ahead at the moment. I'll have to double-check that on BillyFantasySports.com where I have my rankings live. I do. I, in fact, have Higby at tight end 7, Dave Njoku at tight end 8 right now. I don't know if we want to finish with no Joku thought or not. Uh, he, he, it was a high ankle sprain that he was dealing with. He, with, he missed, he was out week eight. They had a week nine bye, and then he was, um, limited and didn't practice heading into week 10, but then suited up this past week. So he's came back pretty quick from that. So it must not have been too severe, but still, if you, if he was on a limited snap count, that tells us he's not a hundred percent. Yeah, 100%. Uh, even though this next guy himself is not necessarily fantasy relevant, we talked about this a little bit already, but Chase Edmonds, he picks up a high ankle sprain and goes on IR right away. Yeah, and, you know, it it sounds to me, based on some of the reports coming out of Miami, that he's he's likely going to be done for the year, uh, given their running back situation, um, given the extent of his injury. Um, there was not good optimism coming out of the Dolphins camp about him coming back this season. So, um, Denver, and that's, Denver camp, just to be clear. Oh, sorry. Um, 
and and that that um that that just makes sense. I mean, high ankle sprains take a long time to get better. So yeah. So well, with him out, and like I said, they cut Melvin Gordon. We have no information on Mike Boone as of right now. I'm not expecting him to come back and play. He wasn't doing much work. So at this point, I would suspect that Latavius Murray is going to be a bell cow back. And while it's not pretty, and again, Denver does do a lot offensively, if you're running back getting 20-plus touches, you're going to come as a low in RB2 for me, especially against Carolina. So that's somebody who we're going to look to start this week. Uh, let's, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, we got another question here. Trey S, uh, evening gents, large question incoming full point PPR start three, Tyler Boyd, Zeke, Juju, Michael Carter, or Rashad White. Thanks and happy holidays. Well, first of all, happy holidays to you, Trey S. And, uh, yeah, we can really, I can help you out really quickly on this one. It's Zeke, it's Juju, and believe it or not, it's Rashad White. Not, not, not necessarily believe it or not. I don't think Todd Bowles is going to let Leonard Fournette play. And even if he does, I think Rashad White's going to start. I'm tantalized a little bit by Michael Carter in a full-time <laughs> PPR with Mike White as a starting quarterback. But I can't pass up the idea of what Rashad White might be this week. Zeke is only going to get healthier against a good matchup with the Giants. We know that if they get inside the five-yard line, he's getting the chance to fall into the end zone. So you have to take advantage of that. And Juju's the number one receiver for Kansas City right now. We expect... Uh, Jamar Chase to be back as we talked about. So Tyler Boyd would be out of the question for me there. Speaking of Carolina, PJ Walker ankle injury. We're still expecting he might be out. Yeah, it sounds like it's pretty significant. And now with uh, Darnold being back and 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 cleared to go and making a return, we might not see Walker again. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. That's here's, pretty much it. There's really not much else to yeah. say. Well, here's, here's, I'll just follow it up with this. The good news about Sam Darnold is that he averaged 11.8 targets to DJ Moore last season in the games that he started. That's the good news. You've been waiting for DJ Moore to at least get targets out of these terrible quarterbacks. Sam Darnold, the one guy, the final guy to start the season, might be the one guy who actually does it. So that's the only good news I can offer you. It's still going to be ugly. Still not going to watch it, but that's that's the only sort of line I can offer. Uh, let me get to one more question because our our last our last injury is going to be a doozy. Uh, so Treyas again, also Tua or Dak and Kyler or Dak uh, playing Dak. I'm sorry, playing Tua all the way in that one. Dak, it, it's close behind, but with the ability of the yards after catch for these Dolphin wide receivers, I have to go with Tua Tagovailoa by a spot or two in this case. Uh, but yeah, let's get to Justin Fields. And this one's a this is a personal question for me too, because I, I have in a couple leagues with Kirk Cousins. I'd have to make a decision early on. What do we think about Fields this week? So this is an interesting one as well. So originally it was reported that he dislocated his non-throwing shoulder, but then he came out and said that it was not a dislocation, it was a separation. And those are two very distinctly different injuries involving different parts of the shoulder. Now the separation essentially means that you've torn ligaments where the clavicle attaches to the scapula, right? This part right here. And so, you know, that usually happens when you're lowering your shoulder or taking a hit. Um, you can play through this as a quarterback, your non-throwing shoulder. You're going to need to have some extra padding or protection there. You might even play with a, a splint or a brace on. Um it's very rare these days that we actually fix these surgically. So there's been some reports or some questions about whether he's going to need season-ending surgery. And I, I would be shocked if it was that bad and he opted to do that. 
given the season he's having. Um, I do think it's going to limit him or potentially alter his mobility. You know, you're, if he does run, you're going to see him go down a lot faster because he doesn't want to take a hit there. So you're probably going to see him kind of give up some big runs, maybe to slide sooner than he would have normally. But as far as a mechanical thing, and as far as the injury thing itself, it shouldn't affect his ability to drop back and make passes. Yeah, that's the good news. That's why I think he does play. He practices in limited capacity today. He himself, he called it an AC joint injury. And you hit the nose on the head when, with, with that analysis. Yes, he will probably slide sooner. He At the goal line, they might not be quarterback sneaking him as much. He might not be lowering his shoulder to get in as much, which definitely takes a hit to his ceiling. He's been the number one quarterback for the past month now. And that's, of course, disappointing if you picked up Justin Fields. But my point more so is this. As long as he's out there, Chicago, the only way their offense stays on the field is if Justin Fields uses his legs as a weapon, whether it's to get a guy open or pick up those few extra yards. So I don't think the rushing totally goes away. So the floor doesn't totally go away. And that's why I still have Justin Fields, even though it's a tough match against the Jets as a QB 10 for me this week. I do expect to see him out there as you just elaborated to from that standpoint. I know we got a bunch of questions to get to, but that's it for Brian. He's got to get back to his family. We kept him way longer today than we ever do, but we were also trying to jam two episodes in the one today too. So Brian, thanks so much. Uh, are you, are you going to be, you're just going to be active on social media this weekend? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I'll be active on social media up till Sunday morning. And then I'll be doing my last minute injury updates. Like I normally do with one of the other belly up programs. So you will still be able to catch me last minute Sunday. Um, but for the rest of the week, I'll just be uh, kind of dropping some, um, you know, tweets and, and whatnot, just given any news that might come up uh, as we head into the weekend here. So, well, and again, that's at host Brian Scott for Twitter, the injured list podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And you can check out my website, the injured list.com. And then Andrew uh, Leduck and I are releasing our inside the medical tent earlier. So you'll see that actually out tomorrow. Uh, normally it comes out on Friday, but we've released it out tomorrow. Uh, just give it might a little be bit out more right insight. now, actually, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, it might be. I, I know we were trying to get it out a lot sooner this week because of the holiday. And you'll, you'll find some additional information that we may not have talked about on some of the players here. Yeah, absolutely. So look at that. Again, that'll be on BellyUpFantasySports.com. Give him a follow. Download his podcast on your favorite podcast at the Injured List Podcast. Brian, happy Thanksgiving, man. I can't wait to see you again next week, but enjoy this weekend. My pleasure, Dan. Thanks for having me, and happy holidays to you and your family, and we'll see you guys uh, next week. Sounds great, and good luck. Good luck to your right. fantasy teams this Thank week you. as well. Brian Scott, again, at host Brian Scott on social media. Make sure you guys give him a follow and check out the Injured List podcast when you get a chance. So let's answer some of these questions real quick before we get into the bye, or I'm sorry, the bye week, my bye week, which is a 30-second break uh, for a commercial. Uh, let's see, what questions do we not get to? Okay, Hamza, back up. Uh, would you start Zeke or Kenneth Walker at the flex? Uh, Kenneth Walker, that's not even a question. Kenneth Walker's an RB1 playing against the Raiders. Adam Weber start Jimmy G or Derek Carr this week. This is really interesting because Derek Carr has been playing better as of late. Jimmy G, of course, coming off the big game. I actually have Derek Carr as a top 12 quarterback against Seattle in a game which I think could be a sneaky shootout while Jimmy G against the Saints, which are getting some players back from injury on defense. ECR has him at 11. I got him at QB 15. Still, still a floor streaming option, but I would actually go with Derek Carr uh, in that particular one. And rest of season value, that's a different story because the the schedule for the 49ers, much easier to rest of the way. The floor of Jimmy G is going to be higher 
than that of Derek Carr every single week. So Jimmy G is probably my guy rest of season value, although it's close. And honestly, I'm not, if you're looking, if you're asking me, do I make a waiver move based on the rest of the season between these two? I wouldn't have that mindset. My mindset would be who do I need to start this week? Because these are, those are both streaming options who don't need to be starting your lineup every single week for the rest of the year, regardless. So uh, I would go Derek Carr this week and then play it by year from there. And one more question, Marco, he asked me Cameron Dicker, the kicker or Graham Gano this week. I, maybe, maybe Marco knows something you guys don't. Cause I don't really tout this too often. Cause I don't really know how proud of it I am, but I actually am uh, in the top three of fantasy kickers when it comes to fantasy pros, believe it or not. And uh, Cameron Dicker, I'm going to double check this, but I'm pretty sure I have Cameron Dicker like, n- yeah, I'm number seven this week. So well ahead of Graham Gano, who I don't have. I have his all the way down as kicker 20 against the Dallas Cowboys this week. So Graham Dicker, the kicker, is who I'm going with, Marco, for your kicker question. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we got all the games to preview still. We got a lot more show. This is the full Thanksgiving weekend special for week 12. We're doing the full preview here tonight. So we'll go as long as we need to. I want to make sure this episode's ready for those of you who have long travels on your Thanksgiving day to be able to listen to. So everybody stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back right after this. Football is back, baby. And our new sponsor, True Classic, wants you to look and feel your best even after a couple of brewskis or going full force on your fantasy football draft. Sure, it's football season, but it's also butt the couch season. Luckily, True Classic has the absolute best-fitting clothing a man can buy. Snug in the arms and chest with a little extra space in the torso, their t-shirts are designed to keep you cozy and highlight your best assets no matter what you're up to. So if your special someone is upset that you're watching football all day, at least you can look good doing it. True Classic has already helped over 2 million men find the perfect fit at an affordable price. Our listeners get access to the best deal they offer. For a limited time only, get 25% off with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at trueclassic.com. Almost all men's t-shirts are designed to look good on skinny models with six-packs, but most of us aren't packing anything but a few beers. Fellas, you are wearing the wrong clothes. True Classic tees taper off towards the bottom, but they fit tighter around the chest and shoulders. It's time to highlight your best attributes with a t-shirt you can always confidently throw on. It's about time to get your fit together, so upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic and get 25% off at trueclassic.com with promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Free shipping included on purchases over $100. That's 25% off at trueclassic.com with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. If there's one bet you should make this football season, it's on True Classic. True Classic, look good, feel good. This is the MD Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome back to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. It's a Thanksgiving Day special, a full preview of Week 12. We're basically taking the Clairvoyant Thursday and the Look Ahead Wednesday and melding it into one. So an extra long segment there with Brian Scott going over all the injury inquiries that we had and really went into great detail 
We're always available on your favorite podcast app. Make sure you download us, give us that five-star review, and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. That way you get notified whenever we have new content available to you. Look, it's a big travel day tomorrow. Make sure you put on the MD's Fantasy Football Show to get ready for your matchups. So like I said, we're packing in two episodes in the one, right? So our first segment, we got eight games. Our second segment, we got eight games. Because not only are we packing two episodes in the one, but for some reason, week 12 is the only week there's not a bye week. Which doesn't make any, well, at least in this, in you know, in the strand of bye weeks. We got buys in 13, 14, but nothing week 12. I guess they wanted to make sure everybody had to play Thanksgiving Day weekend. I don't know what the reasoning is, but the point is we have a lot to still talk about. We're already basically like an hour into the show. So I will abbreviate some of this. And again, if you have any more start sick questions, there's two things you can do. You go to bellyfantasysports.com and check out our rankings. Or hit us up at BellyUpMDFFShow if you want eh, just a little more analysis. But our first eight games that we're going to talk about, of course, three tomorrow. We got the Bills against Detroit. That's the early game. The, the, the afternoon games, the Giants against Dallas. And then the night game will be the Patriots against the Minnesota Vikings. Then on Sunday, we got the Bucks against Cleveland. We got the Bengals against the Titans. We got the Texans against the Dolphins. We got the Falcons against the Commanders. And we got the Broncos against Carolina. Those are the games we're going to talk about in this first segment here. Before I hit the obvious starters, Big Trev, one of the, our longtime listeners, Kyler or Terrence Lawrence. Thanks, man. Kyler Murray for me this week of those two. I don't like Terrence Lawrence at all this week, actually. Uh, so let's go into our obvious starters for these matchups. Obvious starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. Josh Allen's still my number one quarterback. And I don't think that should be a question. I know he's been a little bit of a cold streak since he's had that elbow injury. It's a match against Detroit. There's no Jeff Okuda again. You're just playing him. And even if he doesn't come through for you through the air, he typically comes through for you with his legs. Last week was the first week that I they had a bad week all season long. The last three weeks, he's been QB4. Now, it's felt a lot worse. If you have Josh Allen, him being the QB4 overall of the past three weeks feels a lot worse than what that sounds. Because it puts him right in the same category as a lot of the other quarterbacks. Like Justin Fields has been on a Josh Allen level for the past three weeks. There's a huge gap. He's scored 132 points over that time frame where Josh Allen's hovering around the 60 mark. Well, that 60 mark is right in line with quarterbacks two through six. So the only thing here is that while Josh Allen's still been a top five quarterback, it has felt a lot worse because he feels more mortal. He feels more like the other guys, and that's not what he had been up until this point. And I think that's why people are feeling a little bit down about it, but guess what? Josh Allen's an obvious starter. Like, this is crazy. Uh, Cletus, 49ers defense or Jets defense? 49ers defense this week. Uh, playing against the Saints, who have no offense. I like them quite a bit. Uh, Ray Gamer, Carlson or Brett Maher this week? I don't know how you go against Brett Maher after that performance. And the Giants give up a ton of field goals as it is. In fact, Brett Maher comes as my number one kicker of the week. So I'm definitely going with him over Daniel Carlson. Uh, and we got Hurst, uh, I'm, I'm Hayden Hurst against the Titans, or Evan Ingram against the Ravens in a standard league. I am going with Evan Ingram there. I don't like Hayden Hurst if Jamar Chase is going to be back in action. Also, are you playing the Cowboys defense tomorrow against the Giants or the Eagles defense against the Packers on Sunday night? I know the Dallas defense, there's an illness, a flu. I don't know what the case it is. It's running through the rampant through their locker room. 
But as long as Mika Parsons and Lawrence play, which is what's supposed to happen tomorrow, I'm playing the Cowboys defense against the New York Giants with Mr. Fumbleitis himself in Daniel Jones. Uh, our obvious starters, getting back to it, at the running back position, Saquon Barkley. Well, I know he had a disappointing performance last week, but that doesn't stop you, obviously. Dalvin Cook, Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry. Being that we have a jam-packed show, I don't really feel the need to talk about any of those guys. I know Barkley and Chubb both looking for bounce-back weeks this week. Very good chance they get it and come back to being RB1s for you. Obvious starters at the wide receiver position for these matchups. Stephon Diggs, also looking for a bounce-back week against Detroit. He's actually my number one receiver on the week, so it tells you how confident I'm heading into tomorrow game, even though I am, I'm playing against Stephon Diggs in quite a few of my leagues. So uh, personally, I hope he doesn't go off, but that's not what I have projected out for. CeeDee Lamb, great matchup, especially with Noah Dory Jackson available for the New York Jets, and he's obviously starter. Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell. I know with the Houston Texans, you're a little bit leery because they're so bad against the run that teams simply haven't bothered to throw the ball against them. But that's the beauty about Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell with their abilities. Maybe they get five targets. Still might mean over 100 yards and a couple of touchdowns. The guy I want to talk about a little bit, who's amongst my obvious starters right now, is TJ Hawkinson. It hasn't been super gaudy production every single week since he's become a Minnesota Viking. I'll grant you that. But next to Travis Kelsey, nobody else at the tight end position has been targeted more often than TJ Hawkinson. And while ultimately I think Justin Jefferson will be fine, Hawkinson will just benefit even more if Jefferson is in fact hindered in any kind of capacity. The Patriots, while been good against perimeter wide receivers, have not been great against the tight end so far this season. The Vikings will look to bounce back from an offensive perspective. There's no way TJ Hawkinson is not not only not a top five tight end for me this week, but there's not he's no way he's not going to be in my top five for the rest of the season. So I'm playing TJ Hawkinson with a hell of a lot of confidence. Uh, yep. Thank you, Ray, for the sub. Everybody, please subscribe to get the new content. And he also has another question. Kyler Murray over Jimmy G. And rest of the lineup is CeeDee Lamb, Mike Evans, Derrick Henry, and Damian Pierce. Yes, Kyler Murray over Jimmy G. Because he practiced in full today. If he's feeling a lot better, that means he might use his legs. As long as Murray uses his legs, he has a top 10 floor, frankly, uh, especially since there's not going to be a lot of pass catchers for him to go to outside DeAndre Hopkins. He's going to have to use his legs probably to move the chains. I would expect to see that out of him. All right, so that does it for our obvious starters for these first eight matchups. Let's dive into our lock em ins lock em in It's a lock. lock em in lock em in Dak Prescott. He hasn't been like overly, like like volume purposes, he's not, he's not stretching it out a ton. We had the one game where he had 46 pass attempts, but we know that's not what Dallas really wants to do. Dallas wants to play ball control and win with their defense. That's what they're built to do. They're, and look, their defense somehow is even better. I shouldn't say somehow. They deserve it. But they're, they're better this year than even were last year. And they're able to work, win with this formula. But as long as Dak can be uber efficient, like last week, 21 of 25, and goes for a couple of touchdowns, there's no reason why he can't put up a similar stat line to the New York Giants tomorrow. Would I like it if he used his legs a little bit more? Yeah, sure. But is he a top 10 lock him in play? Absolutely. You're also locking in Joe Burrow, who I have in the top five this week. And I don't see how you don't lock in to to attack Laveau as a top 10 quarterback play every single week right now with his wide receivers. The guy who I do have locked in inside the top 10 this week that we do have to talk about in a little more depth is Tom Brady. 
Now, the last week we saw him before the bye, from a fantasy perspective, wasn't that great. But from a football perspective, it probably was one of his best games of the year. And of course, that's not really saying too much with how bad this year has been. But I do have Tom Brady, a QB 11, heading into this week. We suspect between the game-winning drive from three weeks ago now and then two weeks ago before they in Munich before they won the bye week, the offense looking a lot better against Cleveland, whose defense has not been very good this week, with a Chris Godwin who's back and healthy and playing much better. We'll talk about him in a second. Tom Brady is somebody who I have as a top-12 quarterback, and I can play him with the confidence of he's got a floor with those weapons. And I think Rashad White being the starter is a big key to that. Because now, if they get the running game going, play action opens up. By the way, he's much more explosive as a pass catcher out of the backfield, which we know is big when it comes to Tom Brady in the first place. So I'm locking in Tom Brady as a top 12 quarterback this week. Have a good Thanksgiving, you too, Ray. Thank you so much for those wishes and tuning in today. Uh, let's move into our lock in running back. That would be Jamal Williams. It's a tough matchup on paper against the Buffalo Bills. There's absolutely no doubt about that. But when they get inside the 10-yard line, it's Jamal Williams' time. This guy's leading the NFL in touchdowns right now. How could he not? How could he not be in your lineups? There's absolutely no way that can be the case. So you're firing up Jamal Williams at all costs. Oh, let's talk about Devin Singletary. So we actually had a question earlier in the show today asking about Devin Singletary and should they play him and talk about another guy who's on a hot streak it, yes, it's a little weird that James Cook has been significantly involved. Sure. But he's only involved in situations where the game is well in hand. Or at least Buffalo Bills are up by a couple scores come second halftime. Since Allen has gotten his injury, they've leaned more on the running game. That's why Devin Singletary suddenly is getting more involved, especially in the red zone. Because now Josh Allen running is not as much of a factor because they need him healthy for the, play, for the playoffs. So until he's feeling 100% himself, I don't know how much running, especially in the regular season, they're really going to ask him to do when they get inside the red zone. That opens it up for Devin Singletary. Singletary should be an RB2, lock him in. Here's where it gets interesting. We're talking about Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott in the same breath here, even though I have them in two separate categories. I actually have Elliott in my lookout for category because he's at, I have him down more as an high-end RB3. And Tony Pollard who I do have inside my top 20, so I'm locking him in as an RB2 play. It's more due to the fact that Tony Pollard's been so good as of late, you can't bench him. There's no way you could take that kind of upside off your team, especially in a match against the New York Giants. Am I concerned that Ezekiel Elliott had 15 carries in a game that he was supposed to be getting, quote-unquote, eased back into coming off his injury? Yeah, that concerns me. It's always, been, it's always concerning about the usage that Zeke gets when it comes to Tony Pollard's fantasy value. And I also think there's a lot of people in the industry making really too much of what the split we saw last week, which was, of course, you know, Zeke dominated inside the goal line. He gets those two rushing touchdowns, but Tony Pollard dominated the pass catching work. I don't think last week, as, as close as it was, because it was a 21 to 15 split in opportunities between the two, I don't think that's a true reflection of what this is going to be moving forward for the rest of the season. As soon as Zeke is better, and I don't know if it's going to be this week because they're, they're operating off of Thursday, so it's a short week, so it might not be this week. But as soon as Zeke is better, he's had more rest, potentially week 13. That could easily be 21-15 in favor of Zeke. 
I don't think what we saw this past week was the Dallas Cowboys saying, you know what? We finally seen the light. And it's Tony Pollard for us as our first running back all the way. As our guy we're giving the opportunities to in the passing game all the way. I don't think that was them seeing the light. I think that was them saying, we're not ready to give Zeke his old role back, but he will get it back at some point. Sorry, Jerry Jones is one stubborn old man. And I don't know what to tell you other than you're just going to be stuck with that. So Pollard, great upside. You have to play him this week. I got him inside my top 20 against the Giants. But don't be surprised if before too long, Zeke's back to getting more touches than him. Unfortunately, I don't want to see it happen. But I'm not buying the idea they suddenly saw the light on this thing. Ramondre Stevenson, he's a top 20 play. That should go without saying. We saw his floor game last week. And from a half-point, full-point PPR standpoint, it was still pretty good because he's getting all the pass-catching work. Damian Pierce, he's looking for a bounce-back week. Sometimes things happen. And with Pierce's usage and the team that he's on, I'm kind of surprised he hasn't had more bust games like he had last week. The fact that he hasn't is a testament to him and how he's been running so far this season. And the fact that even when they're in negative game scripts, well, guess what? Damian Pierce still gets a lot of work. Kyle Allen's going to be the starting quarterback this week. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Here at the Container Store, we believe you shouldn't be limited to just one happy place. Your home should be full of them. That's why we're giving you 30% off every custom alpha space. From closets and pantries to playrooms, offices, and garages, you can transform any area with alpha and save 30%. Here's another happy thought. Our design specialists will design your space for free. Get ready to discover your new happy place at the Container Store. Visit us in-store or online to get started with a free design. It's probably the one guy they could go to who's actually worse than Davis Mills. So I don't know what this is going to do for them. It doesn't change anything. Oh, then, I mean, Damian Pierce is still the guy. There you go. Damian Pierce is still the entire offense. It literally changes nothing when it comes to that. Kyle Allen's not an improvement over Davis Mills in any capacity. So that thing, I don't read anything into that. You trust that he's going to get the volume? If he has the opportunity to score within the red zone, he'll get those opportunities as well. And you continue to play him as an RB2. Let's highlight Jeff Wilson, who comes inside my top 20 this week. Of course, yeah, the easy analysis is that he's playing Houston. Houston is historically bad against the run. But what's more interesting and why I have him as my RB17 for the week, before they went on the bye, Jeff Wilson looked like, at least in the second half, took over this job. Now, the first half, it was a 19-17 split, snap count-wise, between Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert. So that tells me when the game is neutral or maybe even negative, there's going to be a 50-50 series-by-series split between the two guys. But when the game's in hand and it's time to close this thing out, because Raheem Mostert has a, I guess, a worse injury history than Jeff Wilson does, and is not as physical, obviously, as a runner, Wilson's going to get the opportunity to close this thing out. I would suspect against Houston, and I don't think I'm crazy for saying this, that they'll probably have a pro game script heading into the second half. 
I think there's a chance we see something similar to what we saw back in week 11 before their bye week as far as usage goes. And that's why I'm very confident in Jeff Wilson. Now, don't get me wrong. Raheem Moster, who's in our lookout for, he's still a flex play. He's still high in RB3 in this situation. But Jeff Wilson just gets the edge for me in that in that scenario. Uh, we got a question coming in here from Jacob. Singletary or Gibson, full point PPR. It's funny you mention that because Gibson's actually the next guy that we're going to talk about. So Devin Singletary, again, I like him. I'm playing him if you have him. But if you find yourself in a situation like Jacob here, where maybe you have to pick between the two, maybe you have other options at your flex position you'd rather go with, and you just need one guy for your RB2 spot, or maybe this is your flex spot, whatever the case may be. Gibson is getting all the pass catching work because J.D. McKissick's out of the way. And last week, he got more of the carries, more of the snaps. It's as if Washington finally decided, you know what, Brian Robinson, maybe it's because of the gunshot wound, or maybe because it's just what he was in Alabama. He's not a very explosive running back. And as long as Gibson's not fumbling, and that's a key point, if Gibson's not fumbling, he's the better running back. And now they're starting to give him back his old role, but with a bonus, because since J.D. McKissick's out of the way, he's not allowed to catch the ball. So Jacob, especially full-point PPR, I'm playing Gibson because even though they've leaned more on Devin Singletary and Buffalo as of late, he's still not catching the ball. Still not what he's doing. Gibson, however, is getting an all-around workload. So I'm going Antonio Gibson in that scenario ever so slightly, but I would like to see if I could find a way to play both of them if that's an opportunity as well. So that highlighted Antonio Gibson for us. Let's move into our lock in wide receivers. Amon Ross St. Brown. Of course, you're playing Amon Ross St. Brown. The volume's been there. I know the production, the touchdowns, not necessarily to the level that you would have wanted. I understand. But the target share, 8, 9, 10, 7, 8, 9, 10 again. He's the only weapon they got in the passing game right now. There's no TJ Hawkinson. Who cares if Josh Reynolds plays? Who cares if DJ Chark plays? Who cares if Khalif Raymond plays? Until Jamison Williams is out there, I don't give a damn who their second pass catcher is because they're pointless and they're insignificant. St. Brown's the only guy who's the only go-to guy. And it's it's a bit of a double-edged sword because defenses are keying on him. And it is holding him in check to some degree. But his floor is a wide receiver too. If he finds the end zone, he's a top 12 wide receiver. You're playing a guy like that. I'm locking in Gabe Davis this week you got to play him against plus matchups. Plain and simple. Has it been frustrating? Did he turn into the guy that... Did he have the breakout season so far that we were hoping for? No. He was banged up a little bit in the beginning of the season, and Josh Allen's banged up a little bit now, and that has something to do with it. The six targets a game doesn't help. But that's kind of the thing. The last two weeks, he's finally gotten over that mark. Nine targets, seven targets. Getting a little bit more involved than he was earlier in the season. Funny enough, now that Josh Allen has an elbow injury, makes sense of that. But against Detroit, if you can't play Gabe Davis in plus matchups like these where it lines up for him to score touchdowns, when are you going to play him? So I'm locking in Gabe Davis, the top 24 receiver this week as well. Speaking of, what about Chris Godwin? Talked about Tom Brady. The guy I'm really excited about is Chris Godwin. Now, before we got into the bye week, Mike Evans was a little bit banged up. Not on the injury report. Should be okay. Should be active. We're not worried about that standpoint. But Godwin has has been the guy. With no Russell Gage, he's a slot wide receiver. Tom Brady, 
While he's played better over the past few weeks, still looking to get the ball out of his hands as quickly as he possibly can. That leads to Chris Godwin just letting it up from a volume standpoint. He's not quite as valuable as St. Brown, but he's close. And the Buccaneers offense could turn the corner here. Well, Chris Godwin, he could turn into the Chris Godwin of old if what we saw in Munich is a sign of things to come, which means from a physical standpoint, this guy might be back. And that's all we need to see because he's already been getting the volume. The volume is not the question. The question is, what can you do after the catch? And can Tom Brady get better? Well, it looked like the offense started to turn a corner, so it was Brady. And now physically, it looked like Chris Godwin turned the corner. I got was a top 20 wide receiver this week. Mike Evans, of course, on my side, my top 15. Reflection of that Godwin might be aiding into his work a little bit more than people are anticipating. But I have great excitement about these Buccaneer wide receivers who I both have as lock them in. What about Amari Cooper? You just got to play Amari Cooper. I know it's a little bit weird. He seems to go from having several games where he has like 100 yards and a touchdown, maybe even two, to games where he has like two catches for 20 yards. There's, there's, like, there's like no in-between. Strange. We still have one more week of Jacoby Brissett. I get it. You're playing Amari Cooper. <laughs> You're playing Amari Cooper. I mean, if Tampa Bay, I don't know what the weather in Cleveland is going to be like yet, and that's something I think we do have to keep our eye on. But if Tampa Bay does turn the corner against that Cleveland Browns defense, which has been subpar so far this season, this game could have sneaky shootout potential in its own right. So we could be looking at a pretty good game from Mark Cooper. I got him as a high-end wide receiver, too. And, of course, Terry McLaurin, who apparently Taylor Heineke is the guy that unlock him. I didn't like Taylor Heineke for Terry McLaurin last year. I didn't. Remember, he finished in half-point PPR leagues, the wide receiver 25. It was nothing special. That was disappointing for what Terry McLaurin was, who was expected to have a Chris Godwin-like breakout last season. It didn't happen. But I guess this year, I don't know, I guess Heineke learned his lesson because all of a sudden now Terry McLaurin's been uber-consistent over the past month, or ever, well, ever since Heineke started taking over, which has been about a month now. Go figure. So there you go. Terry McLaurin, lock him in as a top 20 receiver, too. Let's talk about the tight ends a little bit. Dalton Schultz. It wasn't a great week last week, but again, last week was one of those, those aberration weeks. Like, I don't know what you're supposed to do about last week. They won 40-3. to They didn't have to do too much offensively. Here's what we know. We know that when the Cowboys are in a situation where they actually have to throw the ball, you know, more than 30 times, preferably, CeeDee Lamb, Dalton Schultz, they're getting targets. Maybe that changes in what's looking like the OBJ Bowl on the Thursday afternoon game <laughs> between the Giants and the Cowboys. I can't believe it. By the way, side note, I can't believe the Giants are even on the table. I know he'd get more playing time, I suppose, with the Giants. And even though technically they had the same record, I don't think there's anybody alive, except for maybe a Giants fan, I don't know, who would actually look you in the eye and objectively tell you that the Giants are a better team than the Cowboys. There's no way. OBJ must understand this. If he's actually looking for another playoff run and his two teams he's trying to side by is the Cowboys and the Giants, really should be no contest there. So if you're asking me, I think OBJ will be signed with the Cowboys regardless. But hey, you know what? Maybe it does come down to the winner of tomorrow's game. Who knows? But Schultz, for now, he usually has a safe floor when it comes to Dak Prescott. I'm playing him as a top 10 tight end again this week. In fact, I have him exactly at tight end six. 
coming in this week against the Giants. What about David Njoku? Well, look, David Njoku, if he's playing, I feel like you still have to play him as a top 12 guy. It's been a little bit hit or miss on who Jacoby Brissett decides to go to that day. He does have games where it's sometimes Amari Cooper. You have other games where sometimes it's Don Peoples-Jones. And he's had plenty of games with David Njoku so far this season. Maybe Njoku's not 100% healthy, but he got out of last week without any reported setbacks. And him not practicing on a Wednesday is not really a big deal. We'll have to see what his involvement is throughout the week. We'll keep you up to date on social media at Show. But assuming he's good enough to go, which there's no reason to think he won't be, he's another top 12 for tight end. Same thing goes for Greg Dolchich. It's frustrating. He was promising. He was budding. He was looking really good. And then all of a sudden, the last two weeks, just when you're trying to get him into your lineups, he starts to disappoint. It's process. It's process over results when it comes to Greg Dolchich. And, and frankly, the same thing can be said for Cortland Sutton. With Jerry Judy out of the way, yes, this is not an offense with a ton of volume, with a ton of scoring opportunities. But someone's got to catch the damn ball. And if it's not Cortland Sutton and Greg Dolchich, who is it really going to be? It's a good match against Carolina. There's a situation in which I'm still playing Dolchich at a top 12 tight end this week. So lock him in, too. Let's move into our lookout for. Lookout for. I don't have any lookout for quarterbacks, so let's switch into the running backs. We talked about Elliott already. We talked a little bit about Mostert. Again, you're going to want him to do his damage in the first half, but it's Houston, so he probably will be able to. <laughs> so enough so to be an RB3. You could definitely play Raheem Mostert as a flex play this week and feel, and feel good about it. Cordell Patterson. That's a frustrating one. We talked about him a little bit earlier in the show, too, because we had a question about Cordell Patterson. The one thing you got going is, you know, Washington's been much better, especially along their defensive front, and they might be getting Chase Young back this week. A lot of people think about him being a pass rusher, but he's a good all-around defensive end. It makes everybody on that defensive line better, too. Patterson's healthy. He's explosive, so it only takes one play. And he's still the guy when healthy and when being utilized properly, or I can't even say properly, when he's being utilized, period. He's usually the guy who gets the goal line work. So he has the touchdown upside, and usually he'll lead the backfield by maybe one to three carries. So he's, a, he's at least a high in RB3 play, but rarely going to go over 100 yards. When we saw him go for 22 run attempts early in the season, I, I don't think that happens again at all at any point this season. I don't think that's even in the cards. So basically, you need him to score a touchdown to give you the dividends because on top of all of it, even though he's an ex-wide receiver who is a great pass catcher, they refuse to throw him the ball in the backfield. They're just neglecting one of their weapons. Do they do that now with Kyle Pitts out of the way? I'd like to say yes. The process would say yes in a normal situation, but unfortunately, Arthur Smith and the Atlanta Falcons are not a normal team. They don't follow the normal rules. It hasn't made any sense to this point why Patterson's only averaging you know, a target a game to begin with, with his skill set and the lack of weapons that they have. And the fact that I thought Mariota was a check-down quarterback. So he has to be a flex play, but that's about it. So you have to look out for that. We talk about Brian Robinson. You want to talk about a touchdown-dependent, low-end RB3, I give you Brian Robinson. 
It's a matchup against Atlanta, so there's a decent possibility that it happens. And Washington has shown that, look, they're going to try to win games by running the ball and playing defense, especially the defense playing better as of late. You can do that against the Falcons. This game will never get out of hand. Pretty good chance Brian Robinson gets plus 15 carries because he's so inefficient. That doesn't necessarily mean anything yardage-wise, but he will have a crack at a touchdown. If you're in a tight spot, Brian Robinson at least is a touchdown play away from being a flex guy. And then Dante Foreman. This is the guy with the highlight of this group to look out for. So I don't want to play Dante Foreman if I can help it against the Denver Broncos. He's a low in RB3 for this matchup. It's, it's a tough team. And even though they're switching from Baker Mayfield to Sam Darnold, which I can't believe I'm saying this, actually gives them a little bit of hope offensively. This is still not a good team. And when they, I talked about this when he was going off against Atlanta. I said, look, when they're not playing teams like Atlanta, when they're playing competent defenses, this team is terrible. They get buzzsawed. We saw that last week. There's a decent chance they get buzzsawed by the Denver defense. I don't know if the Denver offense has the potential to buzzsaw anybody, but the defense does. And it could be ugly. The only good news, the only silver line I can offer you if you're a Dante Foreman owner is that even last week, he still played well ahead of Chuba Hubbard, even in negative game scripts. Because he's just the lead rusher. At least that much has seemingly been established. That while at once upon a time, they were excited about the potential of a Hubbard, eh, Foreman at least has played his way into that role. But that That's about all we can offer you. And I'd rather not play him if you have the opportunity to do so. Before we get into our lookout for wide receivers, let's go to Kevin Valentine. What do it do, baby? Two questions. One, pick two for full point PPR. Between Brandon Cooks, Jeff Wilson Jr., George Pickens, Rashad White, and Isaiah Pacheco. So we're picking two. It's full point PPR. I'm playing Jeff Wilson. That that's a, of all the group, that's the definite one that I'm playing. And while I, I would be a little bit torn between George Pickens and Rashad White, because of what's going on in Tampa Bay, and because I'm predicting now that they're going to look for any excuse not to play Leonard Fournette or play him very little, I'm playing Rashad White in the flex. I like, I like Isaiah Pacheco. I think he's going to get a lot of opportunities in the second half. But because we're talking full-point PPR here, we know he's not going to catch the ball. So there's just there's that lower floor opportunity. I think I'm rolling Jeff Wilson, and I'm rolling with Rashad White here. <laughs> And I'm assuming that's Brandon Cooks when you say Cooks, by the way. If it's Dalvin, you know, if it's Dalvin Cooks or anything like that, forget about it. The other question, should I feel confident starting the Bills defense tomorrow? I guess the Detroit Lions, why wouldn't you? Here at the Container Store, we believe you shouldn't be limited to just one happy place. Your home should be full of them. That's why we're giving you 30% off every custom alpha space. From closets and pantries to playrooms, offices, and garages, you can transform any area with alpha and save 30%. Here's another happy thought. Our design specialists will design your space for free. Get ready to discover your new happy place at the Container Store. Visit us in-store or online to get started with a free design. Buy four tires and get up to $200 in savings after rebate at Bell Tire's year-end sale. Or get even more in Bell Tire gift cards, December 26th through January 7th. Plus, get tires as low as 49 bucks after rebate. Get up to 200 in savings. Or get even more in gift cards, December 26th through January 7th. Get up to 200 in savings. And choose the lowest tire price, period, at Bell Tire. 100 years of getting folks safely back on the road fast and affordably. See store belltire.com for details. Restrictions apply. Now open in Elgin. 
Why wouldn't you? Jared Goff's been terrible for a while now. The Detroit Lions, besides the Chicago game, which Chicago's defense is terrible, they haven't been putting up points in over six weeks. So why wouldn't you? Yes, I would feel confident about playing the Bills defense uh, tomorrow there. Kevin Valentine. Thank you for tuning in, by the way. All right, so let's get to our watch out or look out for wide receivers. Excuse me, Donovan Peoples-Jones Jr. Or well, Actually, I don't think there is a junior. I just felt like these, there should be like four names for him and instead of three because just it's not quite enough. He's been playing better as a late. I finally got to the end zone last week. I'm going to really like him when Deshaun Watson comes back. Like, really like him. Like, he could be the Will Fuller of this offense. Not, again, you know, Watson probably not going to be 100% himself after almost two years of not playing, but really interested in the Don Peoples Jones. He's a lookout for a guy. He's, 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 in a, he's a boomer bust guy, especially in his match against Tampa Bay. But again, like I mentioned earlier, game has sneaky shootout potential. So keep your eye on that. I think you can play him as a guy if you need to hit a home run. Not a safe floor, though. Here's who does have a safe floor and who I'm very excited about for not just this week, but for the rest of the season. Traylon Burks. So I asked this question on social media, at MDFF Show, in case you're wondering. Who's more likely to be the league winner or the better, you know, whatever, the better valued fantasy football wide receiver the rest of the year? Do you guys think it's Traylon Burks? Or do you guys think it's Christian Watson? Now, I put these questions out there just to try to get some engagement and see what people are thinking and feeling. And I always put out what my take's going to be first, too. And, and my take is Traylon Burks. I want a Traylon Burks more than I want a Christian Watson. Why? Alan Lazard's still number one target. Randall Cobb comes back his first game. He gets six targets. He's more than Christian Watson right off the bat. If Watson doesn't score touchdowns, he has no value. Well, Traylon Burks isn't scoring touchdowns, and yet he had a great game. Now that he's back and healthy, and he was already trending in that direction before he had the injury, he's playing that A.J. Brown role within the offense more and more and more. Now, before you tell me he's on a low-volume passing offense, therefore you want a Christian Watson, uh, Packers aren't a high-volume passing offense either in their own right, so that's first and foremost. And A.J. Brown was was a wide receiver one in that same low-volume passing offense. Well, then you want to tell me, well, Traylon Burks is not A.J. Brown. Well, I have two things to say to that. One, how do we know he's not that caliber of wide receiver yet? This is a rookie season. Number two, even if he's not A.J. Brown, he's athletic like him, he's big like him, and he's playing that role like him. Plain and simple. And and, and again, I'll reiterate for the record, you can go back and listen to our our draft special and our, all of our you know tapes from the summer. I copped him to Devontae Adams. That's why I think Traylon Burks is from an athletic perspective. He is Devontae Adams. He's a stud. So I don't really question the caliber of wide receiver. Everything winds up where Traylon, and the other thing here's about Traylon Burks, I forgot to mention this part. He doesn't have a Corey Davis early in his career like A.J. Brown did that he had to deal with. I'm all over Traylon Burks being the featured wide receiver of this team. With a Ryan Tannehill, who over the past couple of weeks has actually been throwing the ball better than he was the entire season. Big fan of Burks. Definitely belongs in your lineups this week. Uh, before we get to the Be Cautious Up, we got a couple more questions coming in. And uh, Kevin saying, appreciate it, boss. Yeah, the arrow was Brandon Cooks. Okay, cool. And he's agreeing. Burks definitely a star floor, but ceiling is Watson. 
I don't know if the ceiling is Watson. I mean, from the standpoint of, yes, Christian Watson, five touchdowns in five days. That's the big headline. I get it. Understand. Totally 100%. Does he hit the big home run plays? Sure. But how often are those home run plays really going to be within that offense? It's not going to be as often as it has been the past couple of weeks. I can tell you that much. What happens when Romeo Dobbs comes back? Does he just get relegated to the bench? Do we know that for sure? I know Traylon Burks is going to be that guy, and I would suggest that his ceiling could be just as high. So I, I, I don't know if I agree with that one. I, 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 look, I hear what you're saying about Watson, but I think Traylon Burks' floor to ceiling ratio and his ceiling in particular could be just as high as Christian Watson. But let's move on to our be cautious of. Be cautious of. We're not playing Jared Goff, even though it's at home. It's Thanksgiving. It's been a while since he's been a streaming option. We're done with him. Uh, Daniel Jones. Now, this is one I think that has to get people a little bit. I had him as my top 10 quarterback last week, and he came through with what he did on the on the ground with his legs. We were expecting that. And I went back to it, and I said earlier, look, I know the Dallas Cowboy defense, they seem to have the flu bug, and they have a lot of players who are sick and possibly even out. But as long as Mika Parsons is out there, Daniel Jones is not running the same way he did last week against the Detroit Lions. It's not going to happen. And if he's not going to run, he's not a fantasy asset. Plain and simple. So we are not playing Daniel Jones at all. He's not even sniffing my streaming territory. And then this one, Russell Wilson, even against Carolina, we can't play him. It's just so bad watching him throw football right now. DeAndre Swift, he comes my be cautious of. I'm not playing him. I don't know how he manages to get into the end zone the past couple of weeks, but this single-digit touches stuff, until that stops, there's no way he's cracking my lineup. I know there's some people out there saying, well, like, I don't have a better choice. Yes, you do. Any running back who's getting double-digit touches is a better choice than DeAndre Swift. Because when he, has, when he does that and he has that game, potentially you know, next week, tomorrow, where he doesn't get in the end zone, he gives you nothing right now. Because Dustin Jackson has to play as much as DeAndre Swift does. There's no way he's cracking my lineup until we actually see him get back and hold and getting the ball the way he was week one. Tyler Algier. Now, he is getting double the touches, and I probably would play him over DeAndre Swift right now, but he's also not getting touchdowns because of Cordell Patterson and the rotation of this offense. So just the upside of Tyler Algier, eh, I'm not a fan. So I'm not trying to play him either. Tyler Boyd's in our be cautious of. This is only Jamar Chase's in play. If Jamar Chase is going to be out, then Tyler Boyd can slip into somebody you know who's a wide receiver three, and you could potentially play him. But this is assuming Jamar Chase is going to be back this week, and the optimism winds up being true. I'm not going to play Tyler Boyd in that scenario. Not playing any Houston wide receivers, especially with Kyle Allen back there. Maybe he does go back to Pepper and Brandon Cooks. Let's see that before we actually dive into that and believe that's going to be the case. Not playing Curtis Samuel. He's fallen off a cliff ever since Taylor Heineke's taken over a quarterback. I know he scored last week on a busted play, mind you. There's no way I'm playing him. Dawson Knox, who's been better as of late, granted, but still too routinely gets left out of the offense. How can you play him with any confidence? Even against Detroit, I don't want to play him. That same thing goes for Kate Otten. Same thing goes for Hayden Hurst. Again, following the Jamar Chase outlook of it. Uh, One more question coming in here from Kevin before we hit a break. Should I feel confident riding Tom Brady 
and the Sean Watson rest of season playing matchups. Yeah, I don't I don't have a problem with that. And I stashed I stashed Eli Moore, Elijah Moore, or Eli Moore, Elijah Mitchell. Or no, I'm sorry, no, I'm, Elijah Moore. I'm sorry, my brain's not working tonight. Uh, throwing a target, yeah, deep target, yeah, no, yeah, no problem there. Mike White taking back over as quarterback. There's a lot of interesting things to see what's going on uh, with the Jets. Let's take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we still have we still have eight more games to preview here on a Thanksgiving special with the MD's Fantasy Football Show. So everybody, stay tuned. We'll be back right after this. Welcome to Fresh Ball Fall. It's the season of pumpkin spice and making sure your crotch looks nice. That means sipping cider in a fall breeze and using Manscaped products to trim your balls with ease. That's right. Today's show is brought to you by Manscaped, a company here to make sure that your foliage isn't the only thing shedding its excess leaves. Heck, even Mother Nature knows it's time to lose the excess clutter for fall. Join the 6 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Whether you're brand new or already with us at Manscaped, you can use the crown jewel of care for your family jewels, the Platinum Package 4.0. This glorious package, you can align your entire hygiene routine all in one swoop. Inside the 10-part Platinum Package is everything you know and love about the Performance Package Plus, some shower goodies included to elevate your grooming game to platinum. You can now completely upgrade your shower routine with the Ultra Premium Body Wash and Ultra Premium 2-in-1 Shampoo and Conditioner. You'll have your skin and hair feeling hydrated and smelling fresh. Don't forget to apply their aluminum-free Ultra Premium Deodorant. And don't worry, it's not pumpkin spice. It's a cologne-quality fragrance. Get the Platinum Package this fall. These products are guaranteed to be hits for your dangly bits. Go to manscaped.com and get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Manscaped, clear out the leaves. It's your tree trunk's time to shine. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Oh yeah, it's a lookout. A look ahead Wednesday here on the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Looking out for everything. Looking out for that holiday traffic. Please be safe during your travels. It's the busiest travel weekend of the year, which has always blown my mind that Thanksgiving weekend somehow is busier than, you know, Christmas couple days, but that's what they say. And uh hope everybody just stays safe. I also hope you subscribe to the MD's fantasy football show that we get notified whenever we have new content available. I hope you also check us out in your favorite podcast app to stay up to date with the show when you're on the go while you're on that drive and staying safe. Maybe keep your, not your, your nerves calm when you listen to us. In the car ride home, we're available in your favorite podcast app. Give us that five-star review. It really helps us out. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. And again, it's, it's a full Week 12 preview. So we went through eight games that first segment, and now we're going through eight more games here. We're going to talk about the Bears and the Jets. We're going to talk about the Ravens and the Jaguars. We're going to talk about the Chargers and the Arizona Cardinals. The Raiders versus the Seattle Seahawks. The Rams against the Chiefs. The Saints against the Niners, the Packers against the Eagles, and the Steelers Monday night against the Indianapolis Colts. So let's go ahead and hit our obvious starters for these matchups. 
Obvious Starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. So Lamar Jackson, he actually didn't practice today dealing with uh, what they called a hip issue. But John Harbaugh came out right away and said he's not worried about it. We're not worried about not seeing him on, on Sunday. And Lamar Jackson is an obvious starter, and I know he hasn't played like it as of late. I get it. It's the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> I mean, that's all you really need. And as long as he's out there and fine, what everybody's saying that he will be, Lamar Jackson has to be played. He has to be a top five guy in a matchup like this against the Jags. So there's really not, there's not much more to go into it. Is it frustrating that he hasn't putting up nearly as many touchdowns? Not as high of a touchdown rate as we're used to seeing out of Lamar? Of course it is. But it's kind of like the Josh Allen thing. Like It feels worse because these guys are playing more like moral quarterbacks. But they're still top 10 guys. They're still QB1s. Lamar a little bit less so than a Josh Allen, but still. Obviously, you're starting Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, you're starting Jalen Hurts. For the running backs, for these matchups, obviously, you start Travis Etienne. Now, I know uh, they just claimed Darrell Henderson. That's not going to affect Travis Etienne any kind of way. Their backup is Jamichael Hasty. That should tell you all you need to know is why they decided to make a claim for Darrell Henderson. Okay, this is not a move to be like, oh, we got to get Etienne less less volume. I don't, I don't think that's the game plan here. I think the game plan is let's not have Jamichael Hasty be our backup quarter, our backup running back. I think that's the game plan here. Austin Eckler, you're obviously starting him. Josh Jacobs, Kenneth Walker, who potentially could be the RB one overall. That's big. Christian McCaffrey. Who, by the way, we're not worried about his usage. <laughs> like I said this on during the primetime recap. If you didn't see the Monday game and you saw that, uh-oh, two weeks in a row now, Elijah Mitchell's out-carried Christian McCaffrey. He still didn't out-touch him. McCaffrey still had 14 touches in a game that the 49ers completely and utterly dominated. With seven of them coming through the air. Which was his half-point, full-point PPR guys. That's what you're hoping for. That was your big fear when he was traded from Carolina to San Francisco. I didn't hear a whole lot of people talking about, oh, they're so afraid because he's not getting all the work. They were afraid that he wasn't getting thrown the ball. Yes, since he's become the starter in three games now, he hasn't had less than six targets. So clearly that's not going to be an issue. And in games in which it's neutral game script, Christian McCaffrey dominates. Elijah Mitchell didn't have a, a, a carry until late in the first half. In fact, going into two minutes, actually. So if they're in competitive games, it's going to be the Christian McCaffrey show. I'm not too worried about it. Let's put it that way. Jonathan Taylor, welcome back to RB1 status, bub. No, I shouldn't say welcome back. He's been there for a couple of weeks now, but welcome back to the feeling for us fantasy rankers and owners of being able to confidently expect and project you to be an RB1. I got him as a top eight guy this week. Would it be nice if he got, you know, more receptions, more volume in the passing game with Naeem Hines gone? Yeah, sure. It'd be nice. I don't think he'd care because you drafted Jonathan Taylor knowing that that might not always be his role every single week. He might not always get those opportunities because you're expecting Naeem Hines to be there all season long. We're expecting him to get traded. So as long as he's running well, that's all you can ask for. Obviously, you start Devontae Adams, who's been on a hell of a three-week tear. I don't expect that to slow down against Seattle. 
Obviously, play Mark Andrews. We'll get out of his slump as soon as he's feeling a little bit better himself. Jacksonville could be a good opportunity for him to do that. Obviously, be Travis Kelsey, the guy that would highlight of this obvious starter group, with Pat Fryermuth. His target share has upticked almost every week since Chase Claypool got traded to the Chicago Bears to the point now where Pat Fryermuth is probably somebody we're going to consistently rank at least inside the top eight, if not higher. We saw it last week when the Steelers are in situations so that they have to come back from behind because Kenny Pickett's a terrible quarterback, and he's not the answer, by the way. We can already tell that. Come on now. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Here at the Container Store, we believe you shouldn't be limited to just one happy place. Your home should be full of them. That's why we're giving you 30% off every custom alpha space. From closets and pantries to playrooms, offices, and garages, you can transform any area with alpha and save 30%. Here's another happy thought. Our design specialists will design your space for free. Get ready to discover your new happy place at the Container Store. Visit us in-store or online to get started with a free design. But what does he have to do? Well, he has to have high volume, and he's got to move the chains. And Pat Frumuth is pretty much acting as a slot wide receiver. That's what he's pretty much been. So even though what's been frustrating about Frymuth is that Zach Gentry gets a lot of work when they get inside the red zone because he's a better pass or better run blocker, excuse me. And that's why Frymuth, along with Deontay Johnson, is just not getting in the end zone, not scoring. So that caps the ceiling, of course, but the volume for Firemuth has been pretty much the number one pass catcher for the Steelers. Maybe he's not the number one targeted guy. Maybe that is Deontay Johnson, but the pass catcher has been Firemuth. So we like him a lot there, too. Let's dive into our lock em ins. Lock em in. It's a lock. I'm locking in Justin Herbert, top 10 quarterback. I said as long as he's got one weapon. He could be a top 10 guy every single week. He was last week. He'll have Keenan Allen this week. And frankly, that's that's the more important one of the two. You lock in Geno Smith, who, by the way, this week in particular, comes as a top five quarterback for me, number four on the week in particular. It's the Raiders. They're terrible. They make everything look great. They even, they even make bad look great. But more importantly than that, I'm expecting a little bit of a shootout here between the Raiders and the Seattle Seahawks. And that's why I like Geno Smith so much this particular week. What about the running backs? So these lock in running backs, I got a couple of them right off the bat that are frustrating. Actually, a few of them that are frustrating. But they still wind up having to come in inside the top 24 when you actually lay out the analysis of it. So James Conner, you got to lock him in as a top 24 running back. The touchdown. Even against San Francisco, he finds a way to get into the end zone. With all these pass catchers out, where they might be down to DeAndre Hopkins, Gray Dorch, and like nobody else, plus playing against the Chargers, which is you know, a fantastic matchup for running backs. The slow poke that is James Conner 
can still go for 100 yards and a touchdown. Even if he doesn't go for 100, he still has a two-touchdown upside in a game like this. So you have to lock him in. We have to lock Alvin Kamara in. He's in my top 20. Makes me makes me have to rub my head. And if you're not watching the video, I have to have to rub my temples a little bit when it comes to Alvin Kamara. Uh, look, plain and simple, here's what it boils down to. It's been very disappointing across the board. No doubt about it. But there are not, there is not 24 running backs better than Alvin Kamara. There's just not. Since his big game, his three touchdown performance, he, he was an RB, he's been an RB29 since then. It's not what he drafted Alvin Kamara to be. It's incredibly frustrating. It's incredibly frustrating watching him with Andy Dalton and not get targeted out of the backfield like he's not one of two of the better, not better, the best pass catchers that the Saints have. It drove me nuts last week when they go into that game and they say, you know what our problem has been? Our problem has been that Taysom Hill is not getting enough work. He's not getting enough packages. That that's That's our offensive problem. Taysom Hill is not enough of a factor. That's your problem? What about Alba Kamara not even getting 15 touches in a game? I think that is the bigger factor. I don't get it. Because physically, people are trying to tell me, no, Alba Kamara's older now. He looks fine to me physically. I don't think there's an issue there. The offensive line's not great. So that's partly why he's not being efficient as a runner. Sure. The question I cannot figure out the answer to is why I cannot get more than four targets in the flow of the game out of Alvin Kamara. The only times this season where he's gotten more than that is when the Saints are down multiple scores in the fourth quarter and the defenses are just playing prevent and there's nobody to throw it to other than dumping it down to Alvin Kamara. I don't get it. But you have to keep playing him. I know it's San Francisco. I get that part too. Not a great matchup. There's not 24 better running backs than Alvin Kamara. So I'm just going to continue to lock him in. You lock in Aaron Jones. Guess what? Here's the good news. Last week, it was not a big Aaron Jones week. It wasn't a big rushing week. Which means this week's guaranteed. Because if you look at this season, that is what the pattern's been. The Packers do what they should do, which is run the football. Very effectively, mind you. Aaron Jones is an RB1 performer. Following week, for whatever reason, they go back to Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball close to 40 times, if not over. They lose the game miserably, and they forget about the rushing attack in the process. And then they bounce back. Rinse, repeat. So Aaron Jones didn't have a great game last week. He's probably in line for a, a doozy <laughs> this week. That's just how it's worked. And remember, the Philadelphia Eagles, without Jordan Davis, even with their signings of Linval Joseph and Dabagasu, are not the same run defense that they had been in early in the season. So we're not as afraid about that from that standpoint either. Miles Sanders, he's a very frustrating RB2, but he is an RB2 nonetheless. It's really annoying to watch him have to make the most of every touch that he gets and why he just doesn't get more touches and why he has to lose goal line work to Kenneth freaking Gainwell of all people and partly to Jalen Hurts, which we always knew was part of the package. But he's still effective. He's still efficient. He still has a safe floor. And against the Packers, it's it's a decent situation for the Eagles to get Miles Sanders going here. 
you just keep playing him as an RB2. And he kind of rolled the punches. David Montgomery, now this is an interesting guy. No Khalil Herbert. He gets all the volume. That automatically establishes a nice floor and a potential for touchdowns. We add in a little bit of the Justin Herbert injury to his shoulder, which, like I said, and Brian Scott brought up, that could mean they're not running him as much. Or, at the very least, maybe not quarterback sneaking him as much when they get inside the red zone. Meaning more likely they'll hand that ball off to David Montgomery. Let him take the punishment, which opens up his possibility for more touchdowns. I said this before. As long as David Montgomery is getting the volume, he's at least an RB2. And that continues to be the case. And that's why I'm playing him as such again this week. Even a tough match against the New York Jets. I don't care. Let's move to our lock in wide receivers. I'm locking in Christian Kirk. It's a tough match against Baltimore. No doubt about it. I keep, and I keep trying to emphasize this. Baltimore, since they've gotten healthy and have loaded up through the trade deadline on their defensive side of the ball, this is one of the top defenses in the NFL. So when you see this thing on paper, because this drives me nuts, people keep telling me, like, well, they got a great match against Baltimore for the wide receivers. No, they don't. That's a reflection of how bad it was earlier this season. That's not a reflection of how they're playing now. But you still have to play Christian Kirk. Is there a good chance the Jaguars are in a negative game script this week? 100%. Who gets the volume? Who has the ability to make something happen with the ball in his hands? Both those answers are Christian Kirk. So you still play him. They just don't have as high of an expectation for his ceiling this week. Maybe you take that into consideration when considering who to play in your flex. DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. They play the Raiders, and Geno Smith is playing well. Need I say more? Chris Olave, the 49ers are not that scary of a team against the wide receivers. We saw that last week with DeAndre Hopkins and Rondell Moore having great matchups. What concerns me about Chris Olave actually is not the matchup, but what concerns me is, you know, Andy Dalton. (laughs) Last week, he finally had a big touchdown with Andy Dalton quarterback. It's not something that happens very often. And with the amount of times that the 49ers play zone, I don't think the opportunity he had where the safety kind of ran underneath the route is going to happen again this week for Chris Olave. Having said that, he's the best pass catcher that they have, especially in the perimeter. It's a good chance Saints will have to come back from behind in this game. The volume should be there to establish a high floor for Chris Olave. And A.J. Brown, I mean, we don't have to talk too much about A.J. Brown being a lock him in. Has he been a little bit disappointed the past couple of weeks? Yeah. But I don't think the injury, the ankle injury, is going to be as much of a factor this week as it had been those past two weeks. And again, without Dallas Goddard, there's target consolidation to be had here with A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith. So play him. Lock, well, lock him in. That's you wouldn't. And then good old George Kittle. You're playing George Kittle every single week. Now, when you drafted him early in the season, you knew that he was a tight end, that yes, there's going to be some some roller coaster, some highs and some lows. That's just who he's always been because the usage for him with San Francisco has always been kind of hit or miss because it's dependent upon does he block that day or does he get to go out and be a, a weapon? Here's the good news. In, in plus matchups, what we got to see because the Arizona Cardinals, for instance, is that he gets utilized as a weapon, it's over. And he has matchups like the Miami Dolphins who are terrible against the tight end. Matchups against the Seattle Seahawks coming up, who are terrible against the tight end. He'll be good in those games. 
It's just so unpredictable. But he's one of those tight ends. He can he can perform like a Travis Kelsey. He can give you that type of game. And there's very few guys who could do that. So for that reason, he's going to be my lineup. Maybe you look at George Kittle as your boomer bust guy in your roster. That's what you should really do. So you maybe in your flex, you're playing a safer floor. Maybe your wide receiver three, you're playing a guy who's a safer floor because you're already taking the home run hit at the tight end position. You can't bench because he's too good in order to do so. Lock it in, George Kittle. Let's move it to our lookout for. Lookout for. It's funny. We actually got this question earlier in the show already. Derek Carr, Jimmy G, who are you playing over? I'm playing Derek Carr this particular week against the Seattle Seahawks. Let's also ask the rest of the season who will be like, well, G- Jimmy G, rest of the season because of his schedule and his floor the ceiling ratio that he has with the with the weapons that are in place. Sure. If you want a guy who's going to be pretty much guaranteed to finish somewhere between, you know, QB 15 and higher, that's your guy. For this week, I like Derek Carr a little bit more. So they're both streaming options. Carr I actually have right in my QB 12. Give you a little bit more upside. And what, again, I think could be a shootout this week. Uh, let's move to our running backs. Look out for Look out for Elijah Mitchell. I do believe the 49ers will be again in a pro game script by the second half when it comes to New Orleans Saints. And what we've seen to this point is that in that situation, Elijah Mitchell gets to take the beating and close out the game. Now, you probably like him more in a standard league than the half point, full point PPR league because Mitchell still doesn't get thrown the football. But. If you find yourself in a tight pinch, and this doesn't just go for this week, this is any week. If you find yourself in a tight pinch and the expected game script for San Francisco is to be in a, a pro-ish game script up by probably a couple scores at some point this game, if, if not at least by the second half, then Mitchell can be a guy that you play as an emergency flex play. He at least has standalone value. So he's an option. Not a great option, but a option. What about Najee Harris? Let's talk about him. Two games in a row where he's finally getting back to over 20 opportunities. That's what you need out of Najee Harris. Never going to be the efficient guy. He's never going to be the big play guy. He's going to be the guy that needs 20-plus opportunities, and if he gets that, he can be an RB1. Jalen Warren picked up the hamstring injury last week. Now, there is talk from Mike Tomlin that the Jalen Warren might be back as soon as this week, which definitely hurts a little bit out of Harris, but not that much. Remember the week before, he still had 20 opportunities in that game too. What Najee needs is the Steelers to be able to be competitive in ball games. That's what he needs. Because there's too many times so far this season where they fall behind and they just abandon the running game and abandon checking down to the quarterback altogether. Or I'm sorry, checking down the quarterback, checking down to the running back altogether. That's been more of the issue than anything. The fact that Harris has not been the pass catcher that he should be with his safe floor. But he has been that over the past couple of weeks. He's a safe RB2 who's looking like he could be on the upswing moving forward. Now we got the Jets running backs. We got Michael Carter. We got James Robinson. And things got a whole hell of a lot more interesting this week now that Mike White got named the starting quarterback. Last year, when White was the quarterback, 
for five games, or for, I'm sorry, for four games, five targets per game Michael Carter got with Mike White as starting quarterback. In full-point PPR leagues, Carter's a very strong flex play. In half-point PPR leagues, too, at that. James Robinson less so. James Robinson doesn't really have that role of the pass catcher. So that's one of the things you have to deal with there. So he's still kind of a lower-end flex play because if he doesn't score, you're not really going to get a ton of production out of him. But Carter becomes very interesting. Because what does Mike White do? He gets the ball out of his hands quickly. He's not going to take a lot of shots downfield, but what that does do, and with the volume that they have entrusted to him before, throwing the football much greater than Zach Wells. By the way, when it comes to the Jets and their passing volume, if it's anybody but Zach Wilson starting, it's like it's like double what Zach Wilson gives you, which is like, you know, 18 to 25 pass attempts. If it's Joe Flacco or Mike White, you're looking at like 40 to 50 a game. Look it up. Numbers are there. I mean, if that's not an indication as far as what Zach Wilson and the problem that he brings to the table is, I don't know what is. But that's what we're looking at. And that's why guys like Michael Carter have such crazy value when it comes to a Mike White. So he's interesting. Look out for him this week. Look out for James Robinson this week. Especially against a really juicy matchup against the Bears. Let's move to the wide receivers. I got a laundry list of wide receivers to look out for. Not all of which we have to go into great detail, but Demarcus Robinson and Devin Duvernay. It frustrates me with Devin Duvernay because he's such a big play wide receiver. And he's getting all the snap work. It's not like Rashad Bateman went out and Devin Duvernay didn't play more. No, he's playing second fiddle or right alongside, I should say, from a snap count perspective when it comes to Marcus Robinson. But Robinson playing more of the Rashad Bateman role, more of the possession wide receiver role, especially when Mark Andrews banged up. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Here at the Container Store, we believe you shouldn't be limited to just one happy place. Your home should be full of them. That's why we're giving you 30% off every custom alpha space. From closets and pantries to playrooms, offices, and garages, you can transform any area with alpha and save 30%. Here's another happy thought. Our design specialists will design your space for free. Get ready to discover your new happy place at the Container Store. Visit us in-store or online to get started with a free design. Has been pretty effective. Now, I do wonder... When Mark Andrews is actually feeling more like himself, and it could be as soon as this week, because I believe he practiced in full today. I do wonder if Rob, if Demarcus Robinson is still going to be getting these high target games. You know, I wouldn't get too excited about what we saw last week getting 128 yards. Like that's somehow going to be a consistent po- possibility moving forward, because it won't be. We know we know what Demarcus Robinson is, but against Jacksonville, it's tantalizing. Against Jacksonville, it's a possibility for a flex play. He's at least a wide receiver four for me this week. 
Duvernay just like it's either he's getting all the touchdowns and hitting home runs left to right, or he gets one target and one catch for like ten yards, and that's it. So I'm playing Robinson over Duvernay. Probably not playing Duvernay at all, but you're looking around for value, and, and the process says there should be some here somewhere. The Rams receivers, uh, this was more of an interesting conversation. We thought there was still possibly a staffer could play. And, you know, there's a potential that Walford could, in which case Van Jefferson, emergency flex, wide receiver four possibility. But if Bryce Perkins is going to be the starting quarterback, I'm not interested in anybody outside of Tyler Higby at all from any position. We get the 49ers receivers. We kind of mentioned them a little bit earlier, actually, in the show. Somebody asked, you know, they wanted to start two players out of four, and they had both Debo and Brandon Ayuk, and my answer is actually to play both Brandon and Debo. I have Ayuk about one spot ahead of Debo Samuel for this particular week. Look, last week, believe it or not, was the second best game Debo Samuel has had all so far this season. That says a lot. That says a lot. And Ayuk, who up until last week had been the most targeted pass catcher, still found a way to get two touchdowns. They trust him in the red zone. Jimmy G trusts him in the red zone. And he's playing like a big, he's playing like a big boy. He's playing a big physical wide receiver in that situation. And that's why he's getting those looks. And until we see D-Bell more consistently get the usage that we saw on Monday night in Mexico City, I can't say with any confidence this guy's turned a corner. Now he's still a top 24 wide receiver, but he's not a wide receiver one anymore. Not when this this volume is so unpredictable about where it's going to go every single week with the 49ers. You play both as the top 24. I'm playing Ayuka a little bit ahead of Debo. I would just temper expectations on any given week. Let me talk about Alan Lazard. I mentioned him a little bit in passing because we did, we did discuss Christian Watson earlier in the show. Alan Lazard is still the number one receiver. He had 11 targets that week in Thursday. The only difference was he didn't get the red zone look. He's still a red zone type of wide receiver. So let's not panic here on Alan Lazard. If there's a Packers receiver that I'm going to play, I'm going to always have Lazard ranked number one. Yes, Christian Watson can have the higher ceiling. And that, that's true. And that's more of a roster construction thing. If you, if you find yourselves in a situation where you've got to hit the home run, fine, I get it. But Lazard's still the guy. Let's not overreact to oh, it's an incredible streak by Watson over two weeks and five days. Let's, let's, let's not overreact. We got a question coming in here from Jay. Uh, he's asking me, Jamal Williams from Detroit, Tyler Boyd, Curtis Samuel, or Josh Palmer, which one are you flexing? I'm flexing Jamal Williams. I am playing the guy who leads all running backs in touchdowns. Plain and simple. Uh, of Outside of Jamal Williams, the only other guy I consider on this list would be Josh Palmer because we don't expect Mike Williams to play. And I'm, I'm purposely leaving out Tyler Boyd because we are thinking Jamar Chase is a good shot to play here. But I'm playing the running back who leads all running backs in touchdowns if I'm picking one out of that group. Uh, he also has a second question here. Tight end Dawson Knox or David Njoku? I actually kind of talked about this earlier in the show. It is David Njoku for me. Dawson Knox, maybe he does score tomorrow against Detroit. There's too many times where I've watched this guy just be left out of the offense, though. And David Njoku, who should be ramping up his playing time, this upcoming week in what could be a shootout game against Tampa Bay, who's terrible against the tight end position, I'm going to take the safe floor of David Njoku in that one. That's just me. 
Getting back to our lookout for wide receivers. Jay says, go Cowboys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, pretty good chance to win tomorrow. Getting back to our lookout for wide receivers. Uh, Devonta Smith, again, without Dallas Goddard, safe target floor. We're, ta- we're talking seven, eight, nine, ten targets out of this guy. You're playing him as closer to a low-end wide receiver, too, with a floor of that range. You know, George Pickens. George Pickens is a lookout for a guy. It's a tough matchup on paper, okay, against the Indianapolis Colts. And, and yes, uh, but Stephon Gilmore is going to be the guy who likely covers Deontay Johnson. The backside corner of the Colts can be taken, taken advantage of. And George Pickens, we should be talking about Pickens right now in the light of he had his big breakout game last week because he should have had two touchdowns. He dropped the one easy ball. He's wide open. He would have walked in for a big-time touchdown. He dropped it. So I'm still playing George Pickens with confidence. I'm definitely playing him over Deontay Johnson and probably the most ceiling pass catcher of the Pittsburgh Steelers is the only one who seems to have the ability, the let's say the good graces of Kenny Pickett to allow him to enter the end zone. So I still like George Pickens. Maybe you downgrade him a little bit this week to maybe more of a high-end wide receiver three with upside than the wide receiver two that I've been ranking him over the past couple of weeks. But George Pickens is still a play. And then we got Michael Pittman, Paris Campbell. With Matt Ryan back, at least the volume, the floor for those two players is there. The Steelers defense with TJ Watt back is a better defense. So ceilings off the table. In fact, I have Michael Pittman right now ranked as a wide receiver 34. I still have Paris Campbell ranked ahead of him because he's shown more of an ability to get into the end zone this year, especially with Matt Ryan under center than Michael Pittman has. So I actually got him back-to-back at 25 and 26 this week against the Steelers, whose defense is playing much better too. So that's why we don't have him as lock of ins, but at least now with Matt Ryan playing, you can think about it. Oh, and then that brings up the Jets wide receivers. Talk about a headache. It should be Garrett Wilson. I have it ranked as such where Garrett Wilson's the top end wide receiver for this week. And if you're going to pick a Jets wide receiver to play, it should be him. Corey Davis is going to be back in the mix. That All that does is remove Denzel Mims from the equation. And the only reason why I even have any hesitancy for Garrett Wilson against Chicago Bears with Mike White as the quarterback is because they seem to be putting more of an emphasis on trying to get Elijah Moore in the slot. Wilson's been the more productive wide receiver. Wilson's been in the good graces of the coaching staff for longer portions of the season here. And Mike White, again, gives the uptick you need. I am willing to take a shot on a Garrett Wilson. Everybody else, we kind of have to wait and see. As far as the tight ends go, my lookout for tight ends, we're, we're back to having to look out for Taysom Hill. I just want him to go away. But after last week, they said, you know, Taysom Hill, that, you know, him getting more involved, that, that was the problem here. And then they got him more involved, in fact, quite a bit. And because they wound up winning the game, one would stand to reason that they'll probably want to get him more involved again this week. As stupid as it is. So it makes him an option at the tight end position. Plain and simple. Not a great option, not a top 12 option. But inside the top 15 is a streaming option. 
there's a very there's a very good chance based on the data we have as of recently with the coaching staff that he's able to get enough volume for me to feel like he should be a top 13 guy, which is where I have him ranked right now. Cole Komet. Love Cole Komet. And again, I'm expecting Justin Fields to play. But the Jets' defense has been very good, especially as of late. And Robert Sala, you know, whatever the magic is, we used to think is Fred Warner, but maybe it's just where Robert Sala goes. The magic that San Francisco has <laughs> against tight ends has now followed him to New York with the Jets. Tight ends don't score against the Jets. So while Cole Komet has been hand-in-hand with Justin Fields and their rise up, the fantasy relevancy, he's my tight end 14 this week. I'm not really looking to take advantage, or I'm not looking to take, have Cole Komet be the one who takes advantage this week at the tight end position. I still want him. I still want to keep him if you can. But in a week where we don't have any buys, he's not inside my top 12 in this matchup. All right, that brings us to our Be Cautious of. Be Cautious of. Because of Trevor Lawrence. So this is a guy who's been a streamer off and on. So I feel like we had to kind of make sure we mentioned him and just keep mentioning the fact that the Baltimore Ravens is a tough team. This is a tough defense. They're not the guys you can take advantage of before. Right now, ECR's got him at 14, and I disagree. He's at 17 for me. He should not be in your streaming options with nobody on by. This Ravens defense is more what we've seen over the past couple of years, not what we saw at the beginning of this year. Aaron Rodgers. He's my QB 16, so he's a little bit more in the question. But again, nobody's on by. Should have a better option than Aaron Rodgers this week. Other than two games this year, he hasn't even been a guy who's been able to finish inside the top 12. The Rams running backs. Well, the only silver line I can offer you with the Rams running backs is that this has turned to a two-man committee from a three-man committee because now, you know, Darrell Henderson's out of the way. Cam Akers dominated the snaps, dominated the carries last week. Kyron Williams could be ramping up now that Henderson's not even going to be a thing in practice anymore. Either way, do you care? No. (laughs) I mean... If the offensive line with the Rams wasn't bad enough as it was, now they're down to like their JV, JV squad with, with losing three starters on top of it. Three bad starters. <laughs> it's a terrible situation. Let someone else make that mistake. Let someone else think that, oh, Cam Akers, yeah, that's a value to be had. No, it's not. Be cautious. Be cautious of Zay Jones. Again, going back to it, this is not a good matchup. And Zay Jones is really only relevant from a volume full-point PPR standpoint. He doesn't go over 100 yards very often. doesn't score very often. He gets that like 8, 9, 10 catch range quite often for like 70 to 80 yards. Sure. Not this week against the Ravens. Christian Watson. So it might sound like I've been trying to poo-poo on Christian Watson to some degree all night long. All I'm really trying to do is temper expectations because everybody's getting so puffed up. I get it, rightfully so, but I'm not backing off of my original analysis on the guy. And this isn't for the rest of his career. I really like Christian Watson's ability if he can fine-tune himself as a wide receiver. But for this season, Christian Watson is what Marquez Valdez-Scantling was for the Packers. 
He can have a game or two in a row where he just blows up, goes off, hits the big play. Because he just has that raw ability where he can blow past everybody. And he's tall. He's big. 6'4". So he's going to be bigger than most of the matchups he gets. He still drops the ball too often. Still runs poor routes. Still has distribution issues with the likes of Al Lazard, now newly returned Randall Cobb. I don't have Christian Watson inside my top 36 this week against the Philadelphia Eagles. That's the other part of this. Eagles corners, yeah, he's not taking advantage of them like he was the past couple of weeks. Sorry. If Watson doesn't score this week, he's not going to be very fantasy relevant. That's the problem. There's no floor there. So I would not play him this week. Not playing Deontay Johnson. I'm not taking a shot on Darnell Mooney. Even if Sauce Gardner is limited, I'm not taking my shot on Darnell Mooney this week. There's a lot of bad vibes around the Bears right now with some of the injuries and, of course, the Jets defense playing very well as of late. Oh, man, that does it for the show. (laughs) Two hours, over two hours. Two hours and ten minutes is what we're going to be at. Woo. Haven't done this long a show in uh, really well, since the NFL draft special, and, and that one of that's, that's that's a different story. I mean, we we go six hours for the first round and six hours for the second and third round for those. That that's a different type of show, though. There's a lot of talk, especially with just me tonight. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And yes, it, it's early in the week, so this is not as much information on the players we normally have, but we will be available to you on social media throughout the weekend at Billy Up MBFF Show. We're still doing our cashing Friday. Show at 10 p.m. Eastern on on, on Friday. Uh, Chris Dauer will join the show with us. We'll go over through our, our DFS lineup. Try to win you guys some money through the weekend. Chaz Florida will join the show for that as well. Make sure to check us out for that. Everybody, just please enjoy your Thanksgiving. Uh, I know we will here. You guys deserve it. Uh, we got one more question coming in. Oh, you caught me just in time. Cap for life. Hey, bro, wide receiver two spot. Darius Slayton, Christian Watson, Demarcus Robinson, or Paris Campbell. Flex, I have both Tampa Bay, Rashad White, and Fournette. Do I go back or one of the leftover receivers mentioned? Thanks. Well, we don't know if Fournette's going to play. I actually don't mind the strategy of playing both Rashad White and Leonard Fournette. They're both going to be active. Uh, But if not, here's what I'm doing. I'm playing. I have ranked the highest out of that group, Paris Campbell, number one, especially in a full-point PPR league. And then the second-ranked guy would be Darius Slayton for me. So those are the two guys I have ranked ahead in that one. Slayton in a matchup against the Cowboys where it's not a great matchup on paper, but he's going to have to get some volume with Wondell Robinson out, and he's pretty much the only wide receiver who can make a play. So I do like him for that standpoint. And Campbell just racking up the target share with Matt Ryan. I like him from that standpoint. But that does it. That's the last question. We're going to close this thing down. Guys, just have a great, wonderful Thanksgiving. Enjoy it with your family and friends. We'll be thinking about you here at the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Make sure you download us on your favorite podcast app and give us that five-star review. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel so we get notified when we have new content available to you. Make sure you hit us up on BillyFantasySports.com. We'll have our rankings. We'll get updated throughout the weekend. Don't worry and get those start-sit questions in. But until then, until Friday... Everybody have a great holiday. We'll see you then, and good luck. Mm. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Here at the Container Store, we believe you shouldn't be limited to just one happy place. Your home should be full of them. That's why we're giving you 30% off every custom alpha space. From closets and pantries to playrooms, offices, and garages, you can transform any area with alpha and save 30%. Here's another happy thought. Our design specialists will design your space for free. Get ready to discover your new happy place at the Container Store. Visit us in-store or online to get started with a free design.